Good morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan After Midnight, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night if you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps. There are a ton of people out, actually. There was a food truck on the West Side Highway, tons of construction on the bridge. If you're coming into New York, do not take the upper level, I'll tell you that much. Or maybe you're just working on a weekend like usual. Yes, that's right. Me and Emmanuel are too. And we are coming to you live from the completely redesigned Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan. And yes, this is a special three-hour, 3 a.m. edition tonight. And of course, it's always jam-packed. And you know what? I was thinking about this today. There's a first for me in this weekend. It's my first time on the radio talking about one of our playoff teams, uh, one of our teams in the playoffs. And in fact, it's not just one. It's three of our teams are in the playoffs. So it's a very exciting time in here in New York as the Islanders, the Nets, and the Knicks are all fighting to extend their seasons. And to me, the most intriguing of the bunch is, in fact, the New York Knicks. And this stained song goes out to you Knicks fans everywhere. It's been a while. Since I could hold my head up high. Oh yeah, it certainly has been a while since you could do that. In fact, the last time the New York Knicks made the playoffs was during the 2012 and 13 seasons. That eight years might not be a long time in dog years, but it is a long time in basketball years. In that season, they beat the Celtics in the first round, and they lost in the conference semifinals to the Pacers. The Knicks are so evenly matched with this year's Atlanta Hawks that the winner of this series will do so, I think, within the smallest of margins. I saw a quote from Derek Rose that, that really resonated with me and, and with Minecraft especially, and he said, I believe, we have, I believe we have to have another level. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. That's what we're doing right now. We're preventing that. Yes, they are studying the textbooks of Professor Thibodeau. He is prepared for every single one of the players. Two books, one more detailed than the other, allegedly. So, after my in-depth study session earlier today, I could tell you that I think the winner of this series will be the New York Knicks. My prediction is the Knicks in seven. I mean, Hawks coach Nate McMillan felt the need to preemptively give his team, the media, and the basketball world a little built-in excuse in case his team loses to the Knicks. And that message being, and I quote, The league wants this. They need this. New York is a big market. I think the NBA is excited about them being back in the playoffs. Well, sir, enjoy that $25,000 fine for your detrimental public comments asserting bias, and beware... The psychological concept of the self-fulfilling prophecy, it's real. And unfortunately for you, so is your playoff record with the last team that you were the head coach of, the Indiana Pacers, 3-16. and You couldn't even get them to the second round of the playoffs. It's not going to happen this year either. Enter coach of the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, in his history professor-like Zoom sessions, and he says, in the 1996-1997, we had six guys get suspended. Patrick Ewing took a step off the bench and it wiped him out, and that was our chance of probably for winning a championship. So I don't think the league favors us. Case closed. 
Moving on to actual game strategy. My personal belief is that playing in the playoffs and eventually winning a potential championship is about staying true to who you are as a team, no matter the level at which you coach or play, if it's, you know, Little League Baseball or NBA Basketball. With that said, I'm going to immediately contradict myself and and, and manage or, or coach with my gut when it comes to choosing a starting point guard for this team. Listen, I know Alfred Payton has shouldered a bulk of the load so far this season, but I'm giving Frank Nilakina the nod to start game one. Nilakina has proven success against guarding Trey Young. and But honestly, it really isn't about what he can and can't do. It's more about what Peyton can and can't do. And this is not, uh, like I said, a short-sighted decision here. Let's look incrementally backward at Alfred Payton's play. If you look at the last four games, he didn't score more than two points. And then just give it a dash of some bad body language in the season finale, some block layups, just, just a little too messy for me. Then, okay, let's look at the last seven games. Let's expand that a little farther. He averages 2.7 points a game and shoots at 24.2%. That's what my 2K creative player shot as the Knicks point guard on the first day I ever created him. True story. Let's expand upon the last 15 games. You see where I'm going here? The Knicks have been outscored by 52 points in the 240 minutes that Alfred Payton has played in those 15 games. They've been outscored by 52 points with Alfred Payton on the floor. That means... In the other minutes, the other 500 minutes where he was parked on the bench, they had a plus 133 point differential. Listen, the playoffs are just an entirely different animal, and the margin for error, especially in this series, is razor thin. So what does Coach Tibbs think? He says, look, I've said this all along. The depth of our team is one of our strengths. There's things that Peyton provides for us that are a big asset to our team. His size, his defense, those are important factors. With that, I feel that Thibodeau will contradict my game plan. But here we are. In this series, I'm also looking at a, a few other things. The minutes logged for the most important Knicks, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. I'm looking at Trey Young at the foul line. I'm looking at who's going to win the battle on the glass, and more specifically, when the Hawks have the ball. I'm looking at the battle that will be at the three-point line. And I'm looking at what the what I think is going to be stalemate battle of the two very deep benches. And we could talk about all of this tonight. Knicks fans, I've got you. Get on the phone. And I just said, the Knicks have not made the playoffs in eight seasons. They haven't finished above 500 since that season. And in that same span, the Nets have made the playoffs four times. But they haven't won a playoff series since the 2013-14 season. And I can't confirm it yet. But I heard that this song played through the Barclays Center speakers when the Boston Celtics ran their walkthroughs prior to Game 1 in the quest for the Eastern Conference Championship. That's for the old school wrestling fans, WWF fans. That's the Vince McMahon theme song, No Chance in Hell. That was just a joke. I don't know what they played when they walked in through their walkthroughs. Probably nothing. But let's be real. The only people believing that the Celtics can win this series are the people in and around their facility, the players' moms and dads, and some real diehard 
delusional, fanatical Celtics fans. On November 5th, I put a $10 bet on the Brooklyn Nets to win the NBA championship. At the time, they were at plus 1,000 odds. I think they had something like the 13th best or something like that. Now, the Brooklyn Nets are the favorite at plus 220. Let's go, Nets. Obviously, the biggest concern for them this postseason is the big three's lack of playing time together. Well, they're obviously looking for that cohesion to happen versus, I'm going to say it, the less talented team in the Celtics. In fact, this entire season, the Durant-Harden-Irving combination, trio, big three, they've only played in eight games together for a grand total of 200 and two minutes. That's 5.8% of the regular season they have played together. 5.8. Okay? You know, bunch of COVID protocols, bunch of hamstrings, bunch of load managements, bunch of time away from the team to go to a birthday party. You know what? It, if you're worried about it, if you're worried about them not playing together, you know, I'm going to tell you this. You have to look at the 2019, not so far back, 2019-2020 Lakers. They had Anthony Davis, obviously James, Kuzma, and guess what? They won the championship. And I know the Knicks have only played 5.8% together. I mean, the Nets have only played 5.8% together. But these Lakers, they only played 8.4% of the regular season together. So, you know... There's a little bit of hope. Now, is the Nets' big three as talented as the Lakers' big three? Well, I'd look at the third piece. I would look at maybe Harden or Irving, depends on who you view as the third piece, versus Kuzma. And at that point, I'd say, really, advantage Nets. And so on Saturday night, the Saturday night game, the first quarter certainly showcased those Nets' growing pains. I mean, the Celtics led them 21-16 at the end of the first quarter. And at the end of the first half, yup, you guessed it, the same story. The Celtics led the Nets 53-47. to At the half, that is. And by the way, at that point, the most the Nets ever led by was two points. And that was the first two points. That was the only time the Nets led in the first half. Therefore, there was only one lead change at the half. When the Celtics put up their four points to the Nets' two. And Boston, in that first half, their largest lead was 12 points. The Nets, they were just not playing like a cohesive unit. Um, there was no rhythm to the game. They, they went down, shot the ball, missed, ran right back. I mean, they turned the ball over eight times at that point, which was double that of the Celtics. And they shot 7.7% from three-point range in the first half. 7.7%. This team loaded with the most prolific three offensive scorers ever, let's just say, arguably, went 7%, let's round up, 8% from the three-point range in the first half. I never thought I would say it, but the Brooklyn Nets offense was totally and completely stagnant. And the note that I wrote down was, that's troublesome. So my question that I wrote to myself is, or was, at that point, did the Nets come out in the second half with a sense of urgency? You betcha they did. They put up 13 points to open the third quarter. They took the lead right out from the Celtics, 
60 to 57 before the Celtics called a timeout. I mean, that was it. That's all That's all that they wrote. At the end of the third quarter, it was 87-73 Brooklyn, and they went on to win the game. And when you look at the points, uh, you know, where the points were spread, I should have bet this, and I didn't. It was at plus 220. It was an odds boost. The big three, will they each score over 20 points? And I should have bet it because Durant finished with 32, Irving finished with 29, Harden finished with 21. And the only reason I say that is because I had uh, one of the apps, one of the two apps that I have, I had a $20 free bet. Oh, that would have been good. Anyway, the Nets win Nets win in uh, in pretty big fashion, 104-93. I think everybody expected that, but it was a little touch and go in the first half, let's be honest. Game two is Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. from the Barclays Center. Six teams, my, by the way, my brother was at the game with his friend. Six teams have won a title after losing their first playoff opener uh, since 1984, including each of the last two champs. I don't think that the... Uh, the Boston Celtics are going to be uh, in that category. So let's go Nets. And uh, how about those Islanders? So Coach Barry Trotz and the Islanders had a big decision to make entering Saturday's round one game four matchup. Who was going to be their goaltender? Was it Simeon Varlamov, who was arguably the team's MVP this season with seven shutouts and just about two goals against on average? Varlamov, who has more NHL experience than Sorokin, their, you know, the other choice, the second choice. Ultimately, the team made the right choice. Ilya Sorokin, their lucky penny, their four-leaf clover, if you will. That's Chris Stapleton, by the way. Now, the series is even at 2-2, two to two, and they will be starting over in Pittsburgh on Monday. I think coaches Trotz's comments after the game three loss said it all. He said, we scored four goals. We have to come up with a win. That should be a lock for us. Well, Varlamov with him, it wasn't. Saturday with Sorokin, it was. And by the way, Matt Barzell has gotten going and the Islanders beat the Penguins four to one, evens the series. And on one more note, they've absolutely neutralized Sidney Crosby, who is arguably the Penguins' best player. It's been a tough four games for Crosby. Just one goal and zero assists in the series so far. Oh, and did you guys see Zach Wilson at the game? Flanked by the entire Jets' offensive line? Nice little team bonding activity that was to show Zach Wilson what it's like to win in the playoffs in New York. Dan Feeney stole the show, though. Mullet and all. He did his best Nick Mangold at a Rangers game impression. But he guzzled an entire beer in just a few seconds on national TV. Mangold, though, was certainly a better taunter. Whose mullet is better? Feeney's or Geo's? Well, that's a close one. So behind... Saturday's Yankees offensive explosion. It finally feels like they've turned the corner offensively. They certainly passed the litmus test with a 7-0 win over the White Sox, the second-best team in terms of winning percentage in the AL behind the (laughs) Red Sox, and the team that has the second-best odds to win the American League behind, oh, the Yankees. Saturday, the Yankees knocked around the White Sox pitchers for 11 hits, and Aaron Boone totally didn't agree with that litmus test assessment, saying after the game, 
You're tested all the time. And this group is confident that if we play our game, we're going to be able to go out and beat whoever we play if we play good baseball. We've been up against two really good pitchers. Every week, it seems to be someone different stepping up. But this weekend, it's Glaber Torres who we're going to be talking about for uh, being that stick of dynamite to get it going offensively. Over the last 16 games, Glaber Torres has hit 344 with four doubles, 14, 1-4, RBIs, and a 9-11 on-base percentage. Crazy. How about Friday night? He had his second walk-off hit of the season. Is it a good thing to get up and to bat in those situations? Of course it is, because situationally speaking, it focuses you at the plate, gives you a target, and he certainly is seeing that way too. After the game on Friday, he told Meredith Morakovitz, in that situation, I don't want to be super big. That sounds like it should be a t-shirt, super big. That shows that he has such a greater understanding now that he doesn't need to hit the ball to the moon. It took him 11 games to log six RBIs. He hit that mark in the past two games. Even defensively, he's gotten the ball out much quicker. He looks a lot more fluid. We always talked about on this show anyway that he's a hard worker, and it's, it's, it's paying off. Someone's coaching him up, and it's paying off. Oh, and that ragtag rotation of Yankee starters, believe it or not, have thrown 30 consecutive scoreless innings. And that includes, includes the absolute gem from Garrett Cole on Saturday. Amazing, says Dynamite Torres after the game about that. Don't look now, but the Yankees have won their fifth straight game, their seventh straight series, and everything seems to be firing on all cylinders. Oh, and by the way, their 22-9 and record since April 20th is the best in baseball. And by the way, also, I'm gone for one weekend around here, and these Mets, oh my God, look at that IL. I wasn't sure if I was looking at the batting order or an IL list because, wow, I've gone for one week, and the talented players that are holed up for the Mets at this moment, it's really astounding. It's Since we last talked on May 9th, the players that have made their way to the IL, Conforto, McNeil, Walker, DeGrom, Pilar, Alonzo, and they have joined Nimmo, Lugo, and Syndergaard on the IL. That is astounding, and it's like a, it's like a triple-A team out there almost. The Mets, they just have to tread water over the next 11 games until June 2nd. They've got the Marlins, and then they got the Braves, but then two very soft series versus the NOS's two worst teams, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. And... It's only three games against the Braves, but that would concern me. But on the bright side, if anything, this would be an opportune time for the IL stints, you know, based on the Marlins, the Rockies, and the Diamondbacks being on their schedule. So it is a busy weekend for New York sports, everybody. I have set the table for you. It is time to eat your 3.23 a.m. snacks. I can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on the fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here, everybody. Um, I, listen, I, I'm very impressed with how this studio has come along. You guys will see it on SNY. Um, I just, Craig, I didn't, I didn't want to touch your chair. I didn't want to, you know, lower or raise it or whatever, but um, it was a little too high for me. So I just went and found myself one of these big black, the, the black chairs. They, they actually recline and stuff. I, if, if I don't come back from a commercial break, everybody, it's because I fell asleep in this chair because it's amazing. Um, one thing I wanted to tell you guys was... Uh, well, first, I told you my brother was at the Nets game tonight, yes. Um, but I, this week, I don't, I don't know, in case you're going, I, I'm going to the Yankee game this week. And it's uh, the Wednesday game where it's going to be 93 degrees, of course. Uh, the Wednesday game, I think 
think they're playing the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, so I'll be there. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be the first time I've been back to Yankee Stadium since I looked. October 2019, the ALCS, Game 5 versus the Astros. That was the last Yankee game I was at. This time, though, I'm not going to be in a suite. I'm going to be in bleacher seats. It's a big difference. Um, but still, all, all the same, all fun, all in the same. And um, this is not an ad, but, you know, in case you're going, I'm going to – I think we're going to go to stands before. So uh, in case you wanted to stop by, say a socially distanced hello, uh, you know, let me know. Tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Uh, I'm refreshing the, the feed as we go here and uh, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. As well, so I'm pumped. I'm excited to go to the Yankee game. You know, I was gonna wear. I was all set. I was, you know, because I went to the Met game, wore the Piazza jersey, nice long sleeves, and look, look good. I was excited to wear uh, my Yogi Berra jersey, real one. You know, and I told you guys I only buy the real kinds, and um, I was excited to wear it. And then, it, you know, it's made out of wool. That's what they were made of, out of in in that time. And I'm not wearing a wool jersey on a 93-degree day. That's for sure. So uh, i got to go back to the drawing board on the outfit, everybody. So, uh, again, if you're going to the Yankee game on Wednesday, let me know. We'll, uh, we'll see what we can do here, all right? Okay, uh, let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666 in the leadoff spot tonight with a Mets phone call. So that means you're Brendan Nimmo, Mike in West Palm Beach. What's up, Mike? Buongiorno, Coach. Buongiorno. Long time no speak. I'm in the leadoff spot. Back in my playing days, I was always in the number two hole. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was always a two, but that's okay. Right on. Same position, two shortstop. Yeah. I don't know nothing. Uh, <laughs> so you're in. So you're in the studio of Craigie. That's nice. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, hope you had a good birthday. Yes, thank you. You too. Yeah, I stopped counting after I turned sixty. You know, uh, rip shot. <laughs> um, even my daughter. Um, her birthday's the 29th. She'll be 31. Teaches out in Comac. Mm -hmm. um, Bob Costas, uh, alumni, and uh, who else? Oh, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, uh, Danielle, all the things to talk about, long time Met and Jet fan. <clears throat> um, and it's great to see the Islanders and Knicks and the Nets in the playoffs. Um, I'm rooting for the Knicks because I can only relate to the Nets when I saw them um, – Bicentennial, Dr. J, um, Rick Barry. You know, I was at that game, uh, the championship. That was the Bicentennial, uh, 1976. But uh, all good things. And yesterday I spoke to Richard Neer, um, listening to him for 50 years, uh, Danielle. And Ann Ligori was on. Um, great. Every time I listened to her with, with golf. And you have to uh, – I know you're busy – but if you can watch that PGA, that golf course is, is wild on the ocean. Um, uh, and you will play golf one day. You know, all ball players don't die. They just go on and play a little golf. Um, the lengthy list for the Mets, and I'll make it quick. you got people on deck. <clears throat> um, you know, what was amazing to me, um, anybody, and I said it on the show before, Coach, anybody who never played the game at a decent level doesn't have a clue what it's like to stand in the batter's box with Kevin Pillar when I saw that. Oh, um, my God, I know. Holy Christmas. Just, he's a warrior. You know, he, he is a warrior. Uh, friends tell me, oh, no, he'll never play the game. No, he'll get back in the box. Um, you know, so many people, when um, I was telling Richard Neer, he played ball back in the day like I did and so many others. 
uh, ear flap. We didn't have an ear flap. Yeah. It was a straight helmet. Yep. And, you know, my bell was rung so many times. Uh, spikes high at second base and in the batter's box. But it's amazing. Uh, um, uh, you know, when I saw that, I just couldn't believe it. But that's what happens. That's why they call it, you know, hardball and soft. I was watching senior um, uh, a softball game yesterday down here in college softball and baseball. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, keep doing what you're doing, Danielle, because uh, I'm getting ready to uh, get horizontal on the bed. <laughs> All right. You know? Well, good night, Mike. I appreciate you picking up the phone before that, though. <laughs> no problem. And uh, you still got mojo behind a microphone. That's why I still listen to your show. Well, thank you. I'll talk to you next week. All right. All right, Danielle. All the best. All right, Mike. Thank you. Stop so, state buono, he was going to say. Sorry, Mike, state buono, grazie. <laughs> um, so, you know what, he, the, that Pilar thing is, is a good point. Um, and I was early in the week. I didn't know if people would still want to talk about it, But, I mean, wow, that guy, he's lucky to be alive. I'll be honest with you. Did you see Did you see what he looks like? Have you seen what he looks like? I mean, if I were a baseball player, I would definitely be wearing that, that you know, the Giancarlo Stanton, like, extra flap there. I Absolutely, I would be wearing it. I don't know why it hasn't been um, – mandated across the league like softball mandated that the, the cages for the for the face masks mandated you have to and actually in the field too you have to wear them and so um yeah that, you know what pilar he'll get back in the box sure the guy the guy's a uh the guy's a gamer right but jacob webb who was the braves pitcher who hit him wow he um i i don't i don't i think he's gonna miss his next start i think i might have read a headline I don't think he's ready to go out back to the mound, Jacob Webb, the pitcher. So, um, yeah, that was uh, – yeah, he, he, Pilar's lucky to be alive. Let's just put it that way. All right, let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Paul in Floral Park, you're up on the fan. How are you, Danielle? I'm good, Paul. How are you? Good, good. Doing good. I uh, hope you had a great birthday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Betty Cat. Yeah, the Islanders, uh, they played good today. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Matt Barzell, he's got to keep shooting. Yep. When he gets, uh, when he gets the puck. He can't be holding the puck, uh, for ransom there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, holding it or, or passing it. Like, he's got to take charge. Like, get in there, shoot yeah. the puck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, uh, Josh Bailey, he's a much improved, uh, hockey player. Yeah, over the years. I remember when he first came up, he couldn't. Now, uh, <laughs> over the years, he, he's a much improved player. That's uh, glad to see that. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll get him. We'll get him. We'll get him uh, in this series. Well, let, all right, Paul. Let's hope so. And, and thanks for the call. Paul's a huge Islander fan. He, he DMs me all the time about the Islanders. Huge fan. I think. Uh, I think. Listen. You got to stick with Sorokin in the in the goal. You have to. I don't know if you can go back to Varlamov at this at this juncture. You got to go. You got to go Sorokin here. He, he's the hot hand. He won you the first game. He won you the fourth game. And um, it's just listen. They're two very good goaltenders. They are. That, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? But it's almost like the the psyche of the players. At what I just mentioned. If you got a goaltender that's that's lost you two games and a goaltender that's won you two games in the you know in this series, and one of which the one of the losses that Varlama put off, I mean, put up, the Islanders scored four goals. They, they should have won that game. So I'm I'm saying for the other players on the ice, if you've got confidence in your goaltender, which would be Sorokin, then that's what you have to go with. If you go to Varlamov, 
you know, it, it, it's just uh, maybe it's a, a subconscious thing, but there's just not a lot of confidence in that goaltender. So that, you know, maybe you're a little nervous if you get down one zero, start to 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 force it a little bit, force the issue, you know. So uh, I I would be shocked if it's Varlamov. Let's just put it that way. But listen, the guy's a good goaltender. I mean, he's he's a good goaltender, just not this series. You just got to 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 ride the hot hand. And Matt Barzell got aggressive finally. That that one where see I had it on split screen, so I was listening to the Yankee game and I was watching the Islander game. I, I you know the split screen on my TV. I figured it out after five years. It's amazing. You guys should try it. Google it. I don't know. I just how I figured it out was I just sat on the remote by accident, and then all of a sudden it went to picture-in-picture mode, and my life was changed. So, um, yeah, I had the Yankees on the left with the audio, and I had the Islanders on the right without the audio. But what I saw when Matt Barzell hit the post with the shot early on, I was like, oh, man. So I flipped over the audio. I learned how to do that today. You have to hit the last button, and it switches them left and right. Um, But I got to tell you, that game was absolutely over, over once – the Penguins, Bluger, I guess he pronounced his last name, Bluger. Once he he put the puck in his own net, oh, game over, done deal. Just the the the, the morale was like pfft, right down the drain there. But uh, yeah, so Matt Barzell got aggressive, hit the post, two primary assists. We need more of that. The Islanders need more of that. And Sorokin, they also need more of that too, for sure. I'd be shocked if it's Varlamov. And you know what? For the Mets series, the Marlins have debuted. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I don't know if this is allowed to say on the air here, but I'm just going to call them U-G-L-Y, but I want to put an F in front of that. Made famous by the movie Mean Girls. But the Marlins have debuted some ugly, ugly uniforms. I mean, who let them out of the house with those uniforms on, everybody? But those uniforms actually have a connection to, yes, our area. I'll fill you in on what that could potentially mean. Don't Google it. After the break. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan. Woo, this show seems like it's flying by tonight. I mean, it, it's going quickly. Phones are jammed, and we'll get back to them in a second. But I, I told you, I teased it, that those ugly, ugly uniforms by the Marlins uh, this weekend, they do have a connection to our area. So, listen, if you tuned into the Mets game this weekend at all, on TV that is, you might have noticed that the Miami Marlins have been wearing some ugly ones. Red, light blue, white, just yikes. Part of the MLB's, it's called the City Connect Uniform Series, much like the NBA series. And by the way, I saw a leaked one, by the way, for the for the Nets, the, the city whatever uniforms next year. I don't know if it's true or not. They, they look like they're going back to the New Jersey look, which I love. I will buy one for sure. But, um... The Marlins, in, in their series, they decided to honor the Cuban Sugar Kings. They were a team who won the AAA championship in, in, in uh, 1959. Um, the team, this is a little historical lesson for you, right? This is, this is my professor class here, Professor McCartan's class. The team was one of the first to field a multinational team of players from all across Latin America. Cool. But what's the connection to our area? After they won that title, the AAA championship in 1959, the team was relocated the very next season to guess where? Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah, so there's a little connection there. And one of the 
original team uniform. So, so I, I'm like, I like the history of it, right? But the way it looks was awful, especially on TV. The original team uniform, I googled it. It looked one of them anyway. Looked like the Phillies ones. You know, the Phillies ones where it has the the white with the red pinstripe and the red script across the chest. And uh, that's kind of what the original ones look like for for this uh, Cuban Sugar Kings. They had. On the Sugar Kings, they had an arm patch. It was the colors of the Cuban flag, red, white, and blue. That look, I might be able to get behind. But this red jersey with the white pinstripes, with the Miami teal blue hat helmet combination, I mean, yuck. Just yuck. And it looks terrible on TV, too. So great history, great story, great connection to Jersey City. But please go back to the drawing board on those uniforms. Please and thank you. By the way, it was Cuban Heritage Night at Lone Depot Park Saturday night, just in case you were wondering. Okay, let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. John in Staten Island, you're up on the fan. Good morning. How are you? I'm good, John. What's up? Hey, I missed you last few weeks. Uh, thank uh, you. Glad to, glad to hear you back. Uh, you know, listening to other people just drives me crazy because you let people talk. You know, no ego with you. You let people talk. Well, that's what this uh, is, right? Sports talk radio. Yeah, but other people are like you. That's what I'm just saying. You oh, well, should be thanks. getting a lot more hours. Thank you. Maybe one. But, maybe uh, soon. <laughs> we'll see. But tell you, these Mets are just tough to. I mean, at least tonight nobody got hurt. I mean, it's crazy. Every time you turn around, somebody's on the edge of it. I know. I've never seen this. And then they never tell you when they're coming back. You. They're, they're the worst. At t- I, I think Pilar will be the first guy back. Tonight, so. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what, though? I, I'm wondering, because it's not, I mean, it, the Mets are, are an exceedingly egregious case here, but I'm wondering if it, it's it's across the league, and I'm wondering if it has anything to do with having that short season and now playing this, you know, every day in the long season here. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of conjecturing. I'd have to ask around, ask some players, actually, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I wasn't sure if I was looking at the IL or the the batting order. Honestly, the other night. I, I mean, I mean, I think they have two starters. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, who is it's it? So it's hard uh, to watch. It's a Lindor yeah, and uh, Dom Smith and uh, yeah, that's McCann. Uh, I mean, they've been they've been sitting McCann a lot lately, though. So. Yeah, I noticed that. So it's just uh, you know, I'm going Saturday. I'm hoping they have somebody back. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's a week away, so maybe. Well, I don't really know. I don't even know. Alonzo? Maybe uh, Alonzo will be back in time? Well, I mean, Conforto and McNeil, what? They, I mean, hopefully 10 days. I mean, they should be 10 days because, what, they were on the DL uh, last Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah, so. I'm well, hoping they'll be back this week. Barring any setbacks, never, right? They, 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 I mean, Carrasco still, he ain't even throwing yet. I mean, they made him seem like he was going to be a few weeks, and uh, yeah. he's been a few months. I know. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, and quickly with hockey, you yeah. know, I was watching the Islanders the other night. Every time they score, the guy gets back to go one, two, three. It's like, yeah. oh, it's so frustrating. Yep. They, they could never get any momentum. It's just, you know, you need to go. I mean, I remember. You know, I'm a lot older, but Billy Smith, Glenn Chico Rush was great. And then, uh, you know, Billy Smith was just a better playoff goalie, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it happens, you know? Yeah, well, you know, it's, you know, it's more pressure, obviously. Playoffs are more pressure. And actually, excited about the next story, too, so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, John, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Take care. Um, and by the way, the poll, I put up a poll, as I always do, pretty much every week, you know, what, what to wear this week. And, and the poll was, 
Listen, I don't have any Islander stuff, so if you guys want to send me something here at the station, I'd be more than happy to accept it and wear it. But um, with that said, I wanted to go with the playoff team. So I, I had then had a choice between the Nets and the Knicks. The Knicks, they won out. So I'm here in a uh, long sleeve Knicks basketball T-shirt. So Knicks fans, you're representing. Nets fans, I don't know where you guys are, but it, was, it wasn't really that close, the vote on, on on Twitter, at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. How's everything? Good, good. Doing a show? Everything's all right? <laughs> Question I want to ask you, did you get your bobblehead? Got my bobblehead. We got four of them, actually. <laughs> so if anybody's looking okay. to, to, for a Mrs. Met bobblehead, contact me. I, yeah. could, I could sell you one. <laughs> we got four. Matter of fact, they're, they're selling them on eBay, and uh, the prices are ranging from ninety nine cents. No. Oh, ninety nine cents oh. on bidding oh. up to two hundred and fifty dollars for one new one. So that's what they have mm. uh, regarding that mm. uh, in that issue. I thought you were going to say ninety nine dollars. Um, I was ready to put it on right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did your um? Was your father surprised about? His name appearing on the screen for his birthday? Yes, yes, he was. But we had to tell him before it happened because where we were in the in the Shea, the, the city pavilion, which is by the Shea Bridge, when you look yeah. up behind you, you can't see it. You have to, like, look through the bridge to see it. So you couldn't really see the screen. So we had to get up and, like, pose for the picture, you know. But, yeah, we had to tell him. But he was like, what? That's so cool. <laughs> he said he said it was cool. Yeah, even after we – I got a nice picture of it, too. It's good. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to tell you a quick story, but I'm not going to go deep into the story. Okay. Remember a long time ago we talked about uh, the women in sports? And I had asked you, are you going to do anything about the women who play uh, baseball professionally while the men went to war? Mm, and yeah. he, told me back, he told me back then, he said, well, I can't do it now because um, I'm in school, you know, with teaching with the kids. Mm -hmm. So what's your thoughts? Are you still going to do something about finding someone who played that game and talk to them about it? Yeah, I would love to. It's just, uh, you know, I got to wait. There. My last day of school is June 25th. So it'll be oh. after that. Sure. Okay, okay. Remind me. Send me an email. Remind me that. <laughs> sure. Well, the thing is, um, I have a baseball story to talk to you about regarding a woman. I'm not going to tell you the story today. Um, but it's one of the most amazing stories you ever heard. Fans out there, when I tell this story uh, to Daniel and coming up next week, I hope to be there, fans are not going to believe it. And you are not going to believe the story I'm going to tell about this woman baseball player. However, I have proof on videotape. Mm. So, so you, you'll see it and you go, what? That's not that's impossible with no just videotape. So I want to give you a riddle okay. to understand this. This is connected to women on Mother's Day. Oh, how did your mother deal with Mother's Day even though it was oh, your yeah. father's birthday? Yeah, she had to share it this year. Uh no, it was good. It was it was good. You know, she doesn't she's not a huge fan of baseball. Obviously you guys can tell by the tweets that I send out sometimes, which she doesn't like when I do that, but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was it was good. She was fine. She, we were all together, all four of us, so she was happy. Okay, so here's a riddle, and this has a meaning to this game coming up that I'm going to talk to you about regarding baseball. Okay, got my pen ready. Um, Go ahead. Uh, okay, 
Mullen's son was in the car. The car crashed. I'm sorry, not the mother. The father and son was in the car. The car crashed. The father died. They took the boy to the hospital. The doctor came out and says, I can't operate on the boy because he's my son. Who's the doctor? Father and son are in a car crash. Yeah. Father and son is in the car. Car crashed. The father died. He took the boy to the hospital. Doctor came out and says, I can't operate on this boy because he's my son. Who's the doctor? Hmm. I have no idea. It's his mother. See, the oh, thing is, a lot of times we don't think about women on Mother's Day. The important mm. things that they do in life for us. But when I tell you this story next week about this woman in baseball, you're going to be shocked. You're not going to believe it. No, the fans are going to believe it. But I have videotape to prove it. Daniel, have a nice day <laughs> and have a belated happy Mother's Day to those out there when Daniel was at the game. God bless and goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Vernon. Um, well. Yeah, I guess that was a little bit of, a little bit of bias there on my part that I'm like, is it an uncle? No, the mother. The mother was a surgeon. All right. But anyway, so yeah, the uh the Mets game was a fun time. Just a really nice relaxing day out with the fam. Birthday message for dad was a success. He was surprised. He liked it. He was impressed by it actually. Thank you very much. And uh yes, I was extreme it was a one o'clock game. I was extremely tired. I think uh I think I got a grand total of three hours of sleep before we headed out. But you know what? It got really cold really fast right before they took Jacob DeGrom out. What was that? The fifth inning maybe? The sixth inning? And then it got continuously darker. And we we all – my dad was not wearing a long-sleeve shirt underneath his jersey, his David Wright jersey. So mm, he said, huh, I'm getting kind of cold. So we decided to leave. But um, I did stop and get some Mr. Softy on the way out in the helmet cup, of course. Got some ice cream for the road. We ran into Mrs. Met on the way out, took a picture with her, and uh, there were raindrops on the car when we got to it. So just in time. Can you imagine being cold, tired, and and wet too? Ugh, not a good combo. So you, you know what? It was just it was a perfect day. It was sunny out. It was sunny. It was a beautiful day. It was a perfect day. Everything went the right way. And the Mets won four to two. And uh, I bought myself an orange. I feel like I'm somewhat responsible for Michael Conforto going to the IL because at that game on the ninth, I bought myself an orange Michael Conforto t-shirt in the team store, which explains his trip to the IL, of course. So sorry about that. So listen, I have a Jersey curse that has now carried over apparently into a t-shirt curse. So whenever I buy a t-shirt I now, or definitely a Jersey of somebody, um, it always, they get traded they get hurt. I got a Plaxico Burris jersey. You know what happened with that? Shot himself in the leg. You know, the whole thing. So uh, I have swore off buying jerseys, but maybe now I have to swore off buying uh, T-shirts. I don't know. But I, I take a little bit of responsibility for Conforto going to the IL. Sorry, Mets fans. Um, and you know what else, too? I'm sorry to say it. And I'm if I'm being really completely objective, City Field is better than Yankee Stadium. Sorry. And by the way, minimum capacity is so nice. Minimum capacity. There's no lines at the bathroom. There's no lines at the... That, that's first on the list for a woman. There's no lines at the bathroom. That's amazing. There's no lines at the bar. There's no lines to get food. No lines in this team store. 
You don't have to fight for parking. There's no traffic. I think I'm going to make a proclamation here that all of the stadiums should operate at minimum capacity moving forward. That's my proclamation. The McCartan after midnight proclamation. All teams should operate at 20% capacity because it is just so much more of an enjoyable experience. You don't realize how packed these stadiums are until they're not. So, yeah. But anyway, with that said, I'll be at Yankee Stadium, the aforementioned Yankee Stadium on Wednesday, if you're just tuning in. Wednesday versus the Blue Jays. I got some bleacher seats for that game. Left field, of course. Hitting up stands before the game, I'm pretty sure. So if you guys want to just come, come and say hi. Not an ad. That's not an ad. I'm not advertising for stands, but I'll be there. So if you guys want to come and say hi, you know, socially distance. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight. We have shifted into McCartan in the morning territory, I believe, everybody, on this playoff weekend here in New York City. We've got the Islanders in the playoffs. We've got winning, by the way, on Saturday. We've got the Nets winning a game, their game won on Saturday night. And now everybody has their eyes on the New York Knicks to win their Saturday or Sunday, I should say, Sunday evening game. I think the Knicks are going to take the series. Call me crazy. But I think the Knicks have it in the bag. I think I'm going Knicks in seven. I'm going, let's go work backwards. Knicks in seven. I'm going Nets in five. Because I just think that they're going to have nothing. Not, not that they're the Celtics are going to win a game versus the Nets. I just think that the Nets are going to kind of lose a game, maybe based on like um, load management, things like that, sitting some players, rest, get, just gearing up for the next level that I think the Nets are going to just drop a game. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, first half didn't look too good, but the second half did, in fact, look a lot better. And then Islanders. Yeah, this is an even series. I hope that the Islanders are going to be sticking with Sorokin in net. If they do, I think they're going to take it, I would say, best seven series. Uh, six. I, I'm going to say Islanders in six. That's what I'm going to say. Islanders in six. Nets in five. Knicks in seven. And just before the break, I was talking about, you know, jerseys. And every time I get a jersey or a T-shirt, I have a mush now, a curse. Um, I want to tell you guys, I want just want to share with you guys that I came into a, a package by my mailbox here. Mike, Michael and Lake Mary sent me a nice box filled with uh, with two jerseys. I guess a birthday present then. Um, a Phil Sims authentic jersey and a Joe Namath authentic jersey in the box. Very cool. Thank you very much. Can't wait to wear them. Maybe we'll put a poll next week. We'll see. And uh, another birthday gift from from Mike P. In, uh, Mike and Queens. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very much appreciated. As always, everybody, thank you very much. So that's cool. Cool thing. That's a that's a really cool thing. Thanks for the happy birthday messages, by the way. All right, back to the phones. 877-337-6666 is the number. Let's go to Andy in Miami. You're up next on the fan. Uh, it's so great to have you back, Coach. How Thanks, are Andy. you? Good. How are you? How was the game? It was good. It was good. I uh, I sent you a Twitter note. Uh, I watched Stroman. I took my son. And Stroman was dealing. You know, the first thing was a little iffy. And then after that, he was just dealing. It was interesting to see that you don't have to throw 100 or 98 to pitch well. And Stroman's really good at his changeup. He had it working. And what you really noticed, because I was sitting right behind home plate, mm-hmm. is that Nito is a beast 
I mean, a beast. He, the first guy got on, Nito threw the ball the second, the leadoff hitter. He was out by about three feet. Mm. And the only reason he didn't throw out a third runner, because he threw out a second runner, is just because the uh, shortstop misplayed it. But I'm telling you, I, you see just how much better of a catcher Nito is than McCann. And it's a pleasure to see um, the manager, if it's up to him, you know, play the hot hand rather than play somebody who signed a $43 million contract. Because, yeah. I mean, even his outs are hard outs. Like, Nito made an out, and he crushed it. So, you know, to see Khalil Lee, um, who struck out his first eight at-bats, get the game-winning RBI in, like, the 12th inning was pretty cool. Yeah, who says baseball um, is not romantic? <laughs> I, I agree with you, Coach, and I think that's what I love about baseball. You know, it's like Khalil Lee literally struck out his first nine at-bats, and you could see the kid is an amazing athlete. I think he was... Uh, the Royals, uh, you know, minor league player of the year. So, you know, he can hit. Right. But he made two diving catches, one in that game. So, you know, the kid is like a real center fielder as opposed to like the Yankees, you know, trying to have Brett Gardner and whoever else plays center field. So, it'd be interesting to see if this kid gets his swing back. He really, you know, obviously he's not ready for the pitching, but right. his defense was great. And the fact that they're winning with Joss Way, yeah, <laughs> and I don't know his last name, but Fargus, I guess. But you know, the yeah. fact that they're winning with these kids, and they, uh, to be honest, coach, I mean, I was bummed that they lost yesterday. But I don't know if you saw the game yesterday. There was a pitch, and we we get blocked out from the Mets telecast, which oh. is unfortunate because That's I think the Mets broadcasters are the best. Mm-hmm. But Tommy Hutton's pretty good for the Marlins, and they showed the ball that um, Dom Smith did not swing at. Yes, should have been strike three. Yep. Oh, my God. And Tommy Hutton was pretty chill about it. He's like, I I don't know what the umpire's looking at. Like, I guess the umpire (laughs) was mad that the pitcher started walking on the field, but it was so obviously a strike. It was, yeah. It's like in the middle of the box. I'm sure in the Mets telecast they said that, too. Yep. And then Dom Smith tied it up on the next pitch. Yep. They, they, Uh, they, They flashed to Mattingly on the SNY, and Mattingly, you could just read his mouth. He said, that's effing... Horse blank, you know it, is what he said to the well, umpire. <laughs> and Mattingly was right. And, he you was, know, he's yeah. a gentleman. I mean, you, you can't go against the hitman, even if he's in the other team's uniform. I mean, I love the hitman. And Don Mattingly's a classy guy. He once signed my son's autograph. When he saw it, my son was walking away disappointed. He went back and signed it. So oh, I love Mattingly. Nice. And it was, a, it was a horrible call. But, uh, you know, you can't. how can you even get upset if you're a Mets fan and they lost yesterday? The fact that they got to the bottom of the night was amazing. <laughs> right. And I... I it, it was great being back there. Um, it was Cuban Heritage Weekend, so that's cool, too. In Miami, you can imagine. Yep. You know, you think back to, like, Orestes Destrada was on the original uh, Marlins team. They have a long history of Cuban players. Mm-hmm. But I'm going back to my question to you. Mm-hmm. I can't even give you a bad time about uh, our favorite Italian, Joey Lucchese, because he pitched great yesterday. And, and, and you're going to have to explain to Yeah. They yanked him. Yeah. So you can explain to me what up-downs mean. Do up-downs mean you're just pitching because – I, I, I got to give Rojas credit with yeah. the players that he has. But when he says that he has to take Lucchese out after 80 pitches because of up-downs, all right, up-downs, you, you get up, you pitch, you sit down yeah. when, the, when your team's batting, and then you get back up. That's kind of what pitchers do. Yeah, what I, am I, I missing so too. here, yeah, coach? No, I, I don't know. I was confused myself on that as, as well, yes. I, I don't know. It's really, it's really frustrating. Yeah. And my next question is, is – so is Yamamoto pitching today? Because they keep saying TBD. It has to be Yamamoto, right? Because he was signed and he's he's on the big league roster now. Yeah, th- that's my guess. Uh, my guess here, because 
yes, they, they added Yamamoto to the 26-man roster. They said he was available out of the bullpen Saturday's game. They Obviously, they didn't use him. And and Tim Healy, who I who I know, he reported before the weekend that he that Yamamoto was in line to start one of the games. Well, right. this weekend that is. So there's only one remaining. So my guess, my guess is that given all of that, I think it's Yamamoto. I think it has to be. It has it's to not be. like they're giving Yamamoto. It's not like they're giving him a chance because they think he's so great. They have no one else. Yeah, right. I know. I mean, you know. Let me ask you this: Is JD Davis almost back? Because he's been playing in Syracuse, and I heard one of your callers ask who's coming back. It has to be J.D. Davis first. He's been in Syracuse. I mean, SNY keeps reporting he's 0 for 4. I'm sure he's got to come back. But out of all the starters that are out, he seems the closest, right? Yeah, it looks like uh, he won't return until next week. And this was an article nine nine hours ago. So Disha from the Daily News reports that he'll be back within the next week. Well, I, I you know, that'll be great. Because so. uh, everything now, really, honestly, if you're a Mets fan, you have to consider gravy. Because to have two starters, you know, and nothing else, the fact that they are where they are is kind of amazing. And um, I I love to kill Lucchese, but, I mean, he looked good yesterday. I just think that, um, you know, based on what I know about Yamamoto, based on the way he played with the Marlins, you know, the Marlins are a weird team coach. They caught pitchers like Zach Gallen that are now one of the best pitchers on the National League with the Diamondbacks. They seem to have all this pitching. And Yamamoto is, too. And that's the frustrating thing. You don't know who any of these pitchers are with the Marlins. They had Stroman with an $18 million a year contract going against nine different pitchers. The Marlins literally, the game I went to Friday night, pitched a different pitcher every inning, and the game in 12 innings. Yeah. And you're like, who are these guys? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just a, a different strategy, I guess. Well, Andy, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks. It was great being at the game. Yeah, cool. So, Lucchese, right? My biggest thing about this game this entire weekend for the Mets – Lucchese was yanked after the fourth inning, and I want to know why. He had given up only one hit. He didn't walk a single batter. He had eight strikeouts. He was at 43 pitches, and Rojas said that he wanted to get length out of him, and he was getting it until he wasn't. So, yeah, Rojas said, he, you know, uh, this up-down thing. Basically, and I'm going to paraphrase what Rojas, Rojas said post-game. Basically, there was a script. He was going to be lasting four to five innings, um, and that was it. And he said, we felt it was safe for him with the up-downs. And just from our pitching coach's experience, any concern level that we had, it was just blah, 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 blah. He, what he should have said was we should have left him in. That's what Rojas should have said. Yes, we should have left him in. And because Lucchese... He, when he was asked about it, he was like, this is his quote. He said, um, yeah, I kind of get it, but honestly, I did feel like I could go a few more. I was feeling good. I was feeling really good. I feel like I missed only one spot on the single. I wanted to keep going. And then when he was taken out, Rojas was said to him, uh, hey, man, he did a hell of a job, and he did really good. I'm like, what? The guy's 43 pitches, one hit. Eight strikeouts, you leave him in the game. You leave him in the game. I mean, I, I just don't, I mean, this is where analytics goes goes haywire here. It's just, it's just, and this pre-scripted plan. Leave him in one more inning. Just one more inning. Okay, 43 pitches. I could throw 43 pitches and my arm would be fine. I know you're trying to protect him. I know your whole team's on the IL. Please, come on. 
That means he was averaging, what, 10 pitches an inning? 10 more pitches would not have killed him. I'm sorry. Let's go to Joe in Howard Beach. You're up next on The Fan. Hello, young lady. How are you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'd just like to thank you. Uh, I'm 69 years old, and I, I've been in this city my whole life. And uh, I got diagnosed three years ago with a 9-11 cancer. Mm-hmm. I got it in my lungs and my kidneys. And Sloan Ketterman has kept me alive now for three years. To immunotherapy and drugs and, you know. Uh, but when I I turn the fan on at midnight, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the roughest night time. Because sometimes you fall out during the day and this and that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you, you people that like, you keep me going, you know. I mean, you really, it's, it's some days it's rough, and you take it a day at a time, and you, but sports and like the radio, this thing here, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it's a blessing. It's a real blessing. Well, and, uh, Joe, I appreciate it. You know, and um, years ago when I went to high school, I went to high school in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Bishop Lachlan, and uh, Buck Jackson was there after me, but uh, I worked in a bar on Flappish Avenue Extension as a busboy. I was like 16, 17, but I came from a big family, and I had to pay the tuition. The guy owned two bars, Pete's Island Die and another one. It's smack in the middle of where the Barclay Center is now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's right there. When we go to the games, I say to myself, geez, I just, they must have made a fortune selling them two joints to, to build this place, you know <laughs> what I mean? Imagine. Yeah. And yeah. then you talk about the, the, the Cuban baseball. Yeah. When I, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I umpired. I umpired in a, a league called the Puerto Rican League. And they played uh, McCombsdam Park, cross street from the old Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And we played in, uh, we, uh, we worked in uh, Central Park, and sometimes over in East New York High School. Double-headers every Sunday. Boy, I'll tell you one thing. Start 11 o'clock in the morning, and what a fiasco. Two seven-inning games. <laughs> in between games, there was, more, there was more beer and this and that. <laughs> but I had a barbecue and this and that. Yeah. And my partner made the show. He made the show years later. His name was John McSherry. And he ended up, he ended up, he was a huge man. He ended up dropping dead in, in, in opener in, in uh, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And he was working the plate. But you see things like this, that, that keeps me going. That keeps me going. Memories. And, and you know, like I hear some people, ah, man, I'm worried about this, that. I says, hey, what are you worried about? I says, I had a doctor up here, psychiatrist, because you got to see a psychiatrist before, when you get sick like this. And she asked me, she asked me, did you ever have a life-threatening experience in your life? And I turned around, and I says to a young lady, I drove the A train for 45 years. I says, and I never got mugged. <laughs> I says... And I said to her, and I also said to her, uh, I saw a lot of 4 a.m.s in New York City. And meaning, you know, I closed a lot of bars I closed, which I'm not proud of, but 
and I haven't had a drink in a long time. And, you know, I got the cancer in the kidneys, and I got the cancer in the throat. Well, Joe, I, I just keep. I appreciate I just keep, all, all the work that you've done on, at, at 9-11 and the, and the site and everything, and I appreciate you listening, tuning in, calling in. Um, done good work at that 9-11 site, for sure. Um, so what I want to do next, let's see, we got a couple seconds here. So listen, I think, uh, we'll bring it back to, to NBA basketball here. You know, James Harden, James Harden has stepped up in a big way off the court, in my opinion anyway. And, uh, I don't think there's a, I don't think that there is a hidden agenda like a lot of other people are suggesting. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Stay tuned, stay locked to Danielle McCartan on the fan in New York city. Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here on the fan in New York City. You know the number, 877-337-6666. I will get to you in the order that we that you guys called in, of course. Uh, I wanted to quickly, quickly just touch on this. James Harden stepping up in a big way. I think, listen, there seems to be this war online about who's, Knicks tickets are still for sale, Nets tickets are still for sale, they're actually not sold out, blah, 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 blah. I checked at 4.30 p.m. on Saturday. And there were still a handful of no vaccination required Nets tickets available from Ticketmaster, not a third party site. I thought $120 plus the fees for like the last row, I didn't think was too bad, actually, considering that there were $725 seats available in two other sections. But May 20th, James Tarn on Twitter said, had to come through Brooklyn, get 50% off your tickets for games one and two using the code Harden vaccinated sections only while supplies last. So basically James Harden subsidized some playoff tickets for some Nets fans. And I did not see it as trying to fill up the building at 50% ticket, you know, cost. Instead, I saw it as a multimillionaire basketball player offering down and out New Yorkers a chance to see their team in the playoffs. It's been a rough year for a lot of people. And I just saw this, you know, like maybe through my own lens here, but I saw this as James Harden, doing his part, you know, air quotes, doing his part. But, you know, I, I you know, I would love to see if they ended up checking up on who got those tickets just to see if they were turned around on the secondary market. And it would be, you know, shame on you for, for doing that if, if in fact, you did do that. But um, if you got it at, at half price and, and you're down and out and, and you're struggling and you get to see your team, good for you and good for James Harden. But everybody's saying, trying to kill him, oh, it's a secret agenda to try and fill up the Barclays Center. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he just tried to do a good thing. And no, I guess no good deed goes unpunished, right? That's the saying, isn't it? And I'm sure you just, something just popped into my mind. That's a whole other story. But let's go back to your calls. 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Ben from Queens, you're up next. Morning, Coach. What's up, Ben? Firstly, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Uh, secondly, I'm going to kick things off a bit different. Uh, my basic training self appreciates you playing the stain to open up the show. <laughs> yeah. Before they got pulled down with Fred Durst's stupidness, yeah. Stain's first two albums got me through a lot of basic training. Let me just say that. Their, their, their first two. Basic training and, and uh, uh, the next stage is uh, something called AIT, where we go and learn our MOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played. I played. Stained was one of the first CDs I I got 
uh, and that got me through a lot. So. Well, Ben, I didn't know that. Thanks for your service. I had no idea. Yep, eight years. Awesome. Uh, um, from 94 to 03. Um, so let me begin with the first thing, something we both commented on. Hi, Sabrina. Welcome to New York. Yes, that Sabrina. Is a, that is a great way to begin the Liberty of 3-in-1. Two killer game-winning shots. Yeah. And then now the negative. Uh, hey, NBA, your Twitter, right? I've seen like eight WNBA games. May I say this to you, frankly, all right? This feels like the NCAA women's training room. I've seen the men's Twitter games, and I've seen the women's Twitter games. What kind of old webcast cameras are you guys using with this stop-start thing? What do you mean? <laughs> to, to capture these games. They're like, you'll be watching the action, and then the, the picture will freeze a little bit. Oh, yeah. All right, and then it'll pop right back on, and then I'm like, I tried watching the Liberty and Mystics. I, I tweeted it. A lot of other people said it was good, but my TV it was blurry. It was like I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was terrible. I think it may be like compatibility with some TVs or something. I don't but know. isn't that something you want to check and be sure on mm-hmm. before you advertise? Yeah, we're going to be on Twitter TV. Yeah, we're going to be on NBA TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, how are you guys uh, broadcasting these things? Yeah. No, yeah. I know. All right. Um, speaking of the regular NBA, look, the Nets have one goal and one goal in mind. It doesn't matter how they start, it's going to be how they finish. Mm-hmm. And that there was no further proof to that than tonight. Go like, or last night, as it were. Go like, yeah, the first the first quarter, I'm like, okay, they're still feeling each other out, right? Okay, we know we could pass the right. ball, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the second the second half it was just full on, okay, this is what this is what net fans were expecting right here. This is what this is what they want right here. Yeah. Ball movement, get the defense off balance, open man makes the shot. Yep. What and a that, novel that, that was something missing. Yeah, there was something missing the first half. It was kind of like they were just trying to like feel each other out even. Not even the other team just like, "Hey, like where are you going to be?" Like it, listen, they played 5.8% of the season together, the three of them, the Hardens, the uh the the Irvings and the and the Durants here. So, um it's a good thing that they're playing against the Celtics because the Celtics are "quote unquote" less talented. You know, I don't know if they could figure it out on the fly versus you know another team, any other team really. So yeah, it was a tale of two halves, but I think they just kicked it into gear. They made the adjustments that they needed, and, and that's where they're going. That that's where they're going to start off next in game two. I think. Okay, how quick before the seat gets really hot over there in Clipperland? Hmm. Well, I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, you guys blamed a lot on the coach. Yep. And the Mavs and Dantich did what they did that third quarter. Unfortunately, I have to bring up third quarter. Sorry, Golden State fans. <laughs> you know, third quarters are a touchy subject. <laughs> and they did that, and you guys had no answer. Uh, Nixon six. I, folks thinking this is going to be a quick series. Uh, just because you saw them win three three in a yeah, row no. against them? No. Nope. No, no, no. No. Atlanta is talented. Atlanta can score. And the Knicks, unfortunately, sometimes go through droughts. 
And that will get them at least two games in this series. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I, I think I'm going Knicks in seven, Ben. Thanks for the call. I'm going, um, Knicks in seven. Uh, Knicks are certainly the hotter team coming into this matchup. I mean, oh, like, pr- probably the hottest team in the NBA. Over the last 15 games, they were 11-4. and four. They tied for the second, or I'm sorry, tied for the best record in the league over that last 15 game stretch. And the Knicks, the New York Knicks, outscored teams by 81 points. So the Knicks are certainly the hotter team. Yes, they've beat them three times in the regular season, but who cares? That is like so far removed. First of all, the first game was on January 4th. The next one was on February 15th. The next one was on April 21st. It's, it's May 23rd. That was a long time ago. A lot of things had changed. Nate McMillan was not, was the head coach of the Hawks for only one of those three games. Derek Rose played in only the last two games. Mitchell Robinson, who's been injured for months, played 28 minutes in the first matchup. So, ex, ex, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So these are two different teams. I would not look at this and say, like, oh, yeah, the Knicks eating light work. The Knicks beat them three, uh, three games to zero during the regular season. This is total light work. It is not. And if they think like that, which they are not, you know, it's that's not a, a, a good way to think about this. This is a completely different two teams, in fact. But in all three games, though, both teams scored over 100 points. So anybody betting on this game, you might want to take the over on whatever the total points aligned that you're seeing is. But this Hawks, which is the fifth seed, Knicks, which are the fourth seed, this game, this series, is as even as a matchup as you could possibly get. Let's go in the order that you guys called. Miriam from Forest Hills, you're up on the fan. How are you? I'm good, Miriam. How are you? Well, I'm great. The Islanders won yesterday. I yeah. was very proud of them. Yes. They had a good game. They frustrated the Penguins to death. Yes. They're, those people, you know what? They're terrible players. They, I mean, you want you, they don't even know how to lose gracefully. Yeah, well. I mean, it's sad. I know. They scored... The power plays they owned to score were because the Penguins just, you don't do it. You hit people in the head. Yeah. Oh, no. Sore losers. Yeah. You know, when, when player safety in any sport gets compromised, then, then I have a problem with that. It's sad. Yeah. Because they, I mean, I, okay, I mean, I'm not terribly fond of Sidney Crosby. I have never been. Mm-hmm. But to do what he did, you know, no, you don't do that. Well, he he's got... No goals, or I'm sorry, one goal and no assists exactly. this entire series. He's taking his frustrations out, that's for sure. And that's not good because, you know what, they're going to lose tomorrow and they're going to get themselves kicked all over the ice and goodbye, <laughs> and I want to play the Bruins. All right, bring on the Bruins. Who the you- Bruins are going to win today against the Caps. Uh-huh. They're up three games to one. They'll win today and play the Islanders in the second round. Miriam, let me ask you, you're starting Sorokin in net, right? Again. Yep. Yeah. You have to, yeah. because as much as I love Barley, he's not as young as he used to be, and sometimes he doesn't get to what he has to. Mm. I mean, he's you know, yes, he won 19 games, I'm glad, but I would rather Sorokin play, because he's he's younger and he can move a little faster. Yeah. Is, there might be a concern, I mean, Varlamov had a game two, he returned from a, a lower body injury. He hurt him, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's a lingering thing. And also he was hit. You know, I don't know if you know this, but in one of the games he was hit in a with a puck in the head. How long by ago? accident? How long ago? It was I mean maybe a month ago, but mm. still, you know, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, yeah and I'm I worry because you know they have and they had other you know people they could bring up to. Right. But the reality is, a lot of these kids that you saw, I saw in juniors, Oliver Wallstrom, for instance, was in juniors last year. He did really well. 
No adoption was in June used last year. And if you want to take a peek, today on the Hockey Network, you can see the IHF Men's Championship Hockey. They show the te- the players that didn't make it from the different countries are playing. So guess what, Miriam? So I, w- I went to watch the uh, when the women played at the Garden. Yeah. So I went to watch it on NHL Network on my TV. I pay for the all the sports package and everything. Yeah. And uh, I don't have NHL Network. Do you believe that? I do. I, I call- know how come. I know. I called out to them and everything. They were like, oh, oh well, you have, okay, I yeah. have Spectrum. It's okay. included. Yep. No, I, I pay the That's- extra and everything. Oh. I was so disappointed. I couldn't even see it. Well, you see, the- and a lot of the women are really good. I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. So I can't. What you know? I can't watch it. So. That's too bad because they have good. They have good hockey stuff. I know, and that's a shame on Optimum, really. And I, I tweeted them that and everything, but they're not going to change it. You know. Yeah, well, where where do you live? In Jersey. That's why. Yep. You see, I have I have Spectrum for years mm-hmm. because they help me out. They give me Braille things to read. Yeah. They send me Braille pamphlets how I can do things. Yeah. And they send me a line of the channels in Braille, and I don't know if you have that available in New Jersey. Yeah, you know what? Spectrum at my house anyway. It goes by by region, I guess, but my yes. house for sure no. And I don't even I don't even know if I get Verizon, which which sucks. Yeah, too. well, that's another question. You yeah. have to ask them. Yeah. I will because I, I think, of where you live. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and you know what? Optimum knows. They know they have. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, don't even get me started on this. It makes me angry. It makes my blood boil. <laughs> I know. Well, Miriam, thanks for the calling. Go Islanders, right? I'll talk next week. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Yeah. So I mean, let's see. She's going. Uh, listen, I think the Islanders are going to win this series. I, I do. Don't. I, I think. I think it's going to be in Game Six as well. I think the Islanders, like she said, are going to win on Monday, and I think they're going to win on Tuesday and put it away. How's that? How's that for a uh, a pump up song? For you Islander fans out there. So, um, let's see. I think, all right, let's let's shift the focus back to, this is so exciting. Playoff time in New York City is just so exciting. It's my first experience with this. The Knicks, we are, they are playing later today. If this Knicks game, and really this series, is as close as I think it's going to be, this is going to be a huge factor. I've got something for you. It's certainly something to keep an eye on. It's concerning if you're a Knicks fan. And I know everybody's high on the Knicks. They're going to win the first round. Too. But I'm just going to try and temper something, one of the aspects of this game for you, just, just a little bit. Because um, I think it's, it might be, has the potential to be a huge factor, especially in a long series. I'll fill you in on what that is coming up after the break. Turn that up a little bit, Manuel. This is um, this is the song, right? Oh, that is not the one. Come on, come on. Oh, I, I got a special song for you guys coming up. We'll do it in the five o'clock hour, five twenty. I know. I went to college with, uh, and I'll tell you this like, the whole story. But I went to college with a the DJ who is now the DJ at the Garden, like the Garden. So uh, he uh, he put together a song for, uh, if you're going to the game, he put together a song, and I'm going to preview it here tonight. This is hot, hot track, hot release, coming up at 520. But, okay, so if you're a Nick fan, right, something concerning to keep an eye on, especially if this is going to be a long series. In an age of load management, and whether you want to believe in the power of it or not, Julius Randle, who is 26 years old, 
leads the NBA in regular season minutes played per game. Just about around up 38. And he has the highest quantity of minutes of all NBA players this entire season. Quantity, total quantity of minutes by 156. He's beating the next player down. Quantity of minutes by 156 minutes. That means he's played in three and a quarter more games than the player who's logged the second most minutes this season. You want to guess who that is? It's R.J. Barrett. And I know he's only 20. And in case you were wondering, because I was, the first Hawk to appear on that minutes log is Kevin Herter. He's 32nd. And the most the Hawk with the most minutes per game is Trey Young. And it's 27th in the league. So uh, that would be concerning to me. Randall, after a week off, said, I'm doing everything as far as recovery-wise and taking care of my body to make sure that I'm as fresh as possible heading into the grind of this series. Randall obviously is going to be the Knicks' go-to player. What will the Hawks do to guard him? Well, they have two options. Option A, double-team him. Okay, but then he can kick it out to his teammates around the perimeter, and the Knicks just oh so happen to be the third-best three-point shooting team in the league during the regular season. Okay, or option B, do they single coverage him? Okay, well, then he could do what he did to them this season without the double team, which was score uh, versus the Hawks this season, 37 points per game, 12 rebounds a game, 7 assists per game, and that was his highest point total versus any team this season. So, listen, you'd have to see how the minutes that, that Randall has logged are, are going to affect him in this series and even, dare I say it, beyond. But... um. It's a key cog in this whole thing. So just a little bit of, of tempering uh, on the Knicks fans' expectations for this series. You know, um, We can also talk about Trey Young at the foul line, bench depth, and on the glass. I got some keys to victory, too. Prediction, obviously, you know. And I have a prediction for – I know they don't really do it, but series MVP, you know, the, the X factor. I got a name for you. So let's go back to the calls, 877-337-6666. Kevin in Kopeg, you're up on the fan. What's up, Danielle? What's up, Kevin? I'm thinking big picture. I'm a little bit uh, in the future, but I, I think, I'm, I, think I, I, I read Steph Curry's lips last night that he wants out of uh, the Warriors. You read his lips? I read, I'm a lip reader like Seinfeld, but really I think he said, I, I got to get out of here because that's like Silicon Valley stuff. Like it's just too much tech. Mm, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm just always dreaming. I, just, I, I, wanted, I wanted LeBron. I wanted Steph. I wanted Durant. I wanted Irving. I want like I wanted like a real star. I'm not I'm not putting pressure on Julius, but I just think that if if we can get like this is a big because if the Knicks could show that like like role players like R.J. Barrett and and, and Randall, I'm not, I'm not calling them role players. You just did. Just, I know, but I'm just saying though, like it, it 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 can convince a guy like Steph Curry to say, you know what, I'm sick of the Silicon Valley stuff. I'm really going to do it. I was almost drafted by the Knicks. I'm going to be a I'm going to be a Nick. Duranson Duranson Brooklyn Kyrie's in Brooklyn. LeBron's in L.A., and LeBron's not going to come. I mean, LeBron, there's no way LeBron comes to the Knicks unless we, we hit, like, a billion dollars. Well, do you want Lotto. LeBron? Do you want a LeBron and really old LeBron? Come on. Old LeBron? Are you kidding me? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Listen, he, the guy, he would not mesh with Tom Thibodeau, first of all. The guy likes to sit on the bench for, for most of the season. Tom Thibodeau wants look at it. He's got R.J. Barrett and uh, and Julius Randle as, as, like, the top minutes getters in all of the the whole league. So he would not mesh with Tom Thibodeau. Listen, I think Knicks fans are getting so far ahead of themselves here 
you know, who's going to come here next, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's a great thought to have, but your team is playing in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. Enjoy it while it's happening, can we? And then there will be plenty of time to talk about who can come, why would they want to come. You know, after that, at, listen, at the beginning of the season, we, you and I talked about, everybody talked about how if the Knicks made the playoffs or even if they had a, a strong showing, they were going to be considered a, a, a destination. And I think that's a, a check. Get your pen out. That's a check, a checkbox right there. The Knicks have made the playoffs, and in turn, Julius Randle has fermented himself as, uh, or cemented himself as a building block of this team. You've got young talent all around. You could maybe package some of it in a trade deal, of course. But the Knicks, long story short, they've righted the ship. New York's attractive. So there will be a point in time. We'd have to wait and see how these playoffs end up, you know, turning out. Kawhi Leonard is on my TV right now uh, in the studio. Would that, you know, it, it's fun to play like, oh, let's, you know, you know, uh, what's it called? Fantasy basketball. Let's just play fantasy basketball. That's fine. Let's just pick any. The best players, listen, the money has to work. It's not just, it's not just that. The money has to work. The, the, the prospects have to work, contracts have to align, et cetera, et cetera. So listen, long story short, if you're a Nick fan, enjoy the weekend, enjoy this week. Maybe they come away with a series win, which I'm predicting that they will. Nick's in seven. And then we'll talk about potential free agents. But the good news is the Knicks, I think, are a destination again. And I think they're in a good position. And by the way, speaking of young talent, I think who's going to wow you this this uh, this series, Emmanuel quickly. You know, I, I I told you guys I put a bet on him prior to the season to win NBA Rookie of the Year. I just wish he got more playing time because the kid is good, and especially good versus the Hawks. He upped his points per game. You know, how do I say it? Versus all the other teams, he he averages like eleven points per game. Versus the Hawks, it's seventeen a game. 52% field goal percentage, 10 of 17 from downtown, three assists per game average. So listen, Emmanuel quickly, he's going to be the dude. I'm telling you, he's going to be the key. Besides the obvious Julius Randle, of course. But um, yeah, I, I imagine a lot of Julius Randle dribbling in, kicking out. Dribble in, kick you out. And then once they, they commit to that, then he slams it home. That's what I think. And I really do think that the, the Knicks are going to win this series. For sure. Let's go in the order that you guys called. Of course, Tony in Providence, you're up on the fan. Welcome back. You oh, guys doing a great job. Well, you and your producer and everybody. And uh, I was dying to talk to you about a couple of topics. Um, yeah, I was winning against uh, Mr. James to lose the playing game, you know, because uh, he didn't want to even have the playing game. Yeah. Um, he just barely won. I mean, it was close. That was an interesting game, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I earned the favorite, was not going to win the. Um, the horse race last week. It came in close, but I knew um, too much controversy, and I was surprised he was allowed to even race. And then now he, you know, the next one in New York is, I guess, like he's going to the training one have horses in. Mm-hmm. That's the way it's right. Mm-hmm. On that, right? Tony, there? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I think you cut out at yeah. the end of that. Yeah, I'm um, so, so yeah, I mean, I was. Not surprised, and now it looks like what? But I'm not going to keep on the next race in New York, so keep an eye on that. Sure, of course, sure. 
Nothing new about Aaron Rodgers, huh? Just uh, prima donna. Nothing new about <laughs> most of the ladies with him. I mean, uh, uh, how long is this going to go on for? Yeah, nothing that I heard. I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to go on for. This is a, Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so just crazy. And, uh, and So is this going to end ugly or what? I mean, they're going to resolve it. You know? I'm glad to keep an eye on that, Daniel. And uh, I'm glad the Islanders won. Uh, that was a big game. Yeah. Um, um, it's going to be interesting to go back uh, to Pittsburgh and then they come back home. But uh, it's nice to see the fans back at the games and yeah. seeing them. And that's so good and important. And uh, it's going to be very interesting. But I just want to get your thoughts about everything. And uh, again, you and your producer, Nona Calls, do a great job. And uh, I just want to give you a shout out because that's very important. We appreciate what you're doing is what I'm saying. Well, thanks, Tony. And Emmanuel's giving you a nod from behind the glass, too, and a thumbs up now and a smile. Look at him. You know, Emmanuel just graduated from college. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations, uh, Emmanuel. That's important. So it's going to be interesting. And, uh, um, and then, again, on this long season, yes, the game that's going to be interesting, too, for football. We'll see how that plays out eventually, right? I mean, the, the extra game. Um, we talked about it before, how, like, you know, like teams with best players, will that be a, uh, a factor this year again? You know, like, yeah. some teams with best players till the end of the year. Well, I don't know if we can do that too much. Well, that's the All thing. Right. And, you, and you know what else? And, Tony, thanks for the call. And you know what else, too, really quickly? You know who, who hates the play-in game? I'll tell you who. Jason Tatum. He scored 50 points in the play-in game. And, and – they don't. They don't know how they're going to categorize it: regular season or postseason. Like, what is it? And he's the only player in his franchise's history to have three fifty-point or greater games in a single season. So, if they don't know where to categorize it, does it even count? So, Jason Tatum, that sucks for you. But Emmanuel, how does it feel to be a graduate? Feels weird, but thank you for the congratulations. <laughs> well, I guess uh, you won't be picking classes, you know, in the summer. That, that that's going to feel weird. It is. You don't Housing. have school as a safety net anymore. Yeah, it, that's the that's the major difference. You're gonna be you're gonna be good. What, what do you want to do? What, what's your dream job, Emmanuel? Tell us. Dream job. Dream job. If we're going unrealistic, it's it's high level play by play, or you Why know, is you it grow unrealistic. Up. Come on, that's not unrealistic. Come on. Well, of course, you shoot for the stars. What I mean is, dream, dream job. We're talking dreams. You know, you call the Super Bowl, you, you call the NBA Finals, that's dream job. We got to put it out there, man. You know, then it's going to come true. Exactly. That, that's what you you got to believe in it. Yeah, seriously. You could do it. Appreciate that. could do it. Listen, aim for the stars, and if you miss, you end up, what is it? <laughs> end up next to the moon or something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure what the quote is, something but like if that. you shoot high, then yeah, you'll probably end up with something good, right? Aim high. You're going to be fine. So anybody that's Appreciate looking that. to uh, look for a play-by-play dude, he does all kinds of sports. Football, you were telling me before. Football, baseball, you love basketball. Volleyball is fun. Anything else? Soccer. Soccer. Yeah, I've tried everything. So, it, again, try to keep yourself as well-rounded as possible, and hopefully, you know, you keep yourself more open to different opportunities, right? That's right. And if anybody wants to give him a call, make him a hire, Twitter, tell him. Twitter is uh, at Burbari on air. So B-E-R-B-A-R-I on air. All right. Or you can call us, 877-337-6666. We've got a Stewart up next. Stewart in Brooklyn, you're up on the fan. Morning, Coach. How are you? I'm good, Stewart. How are you? All right. Hanging in there. Uh, Danielle, starts with Thibodeau. Thibodeau installed defense 
he told them to move. And I remember somebody said that Rand, Julius Randle said, I need a coach to push me. Yeah. And uh, who better than Tom Thibodeau? Right. Thibodeau got them playing defense. I think they were the number three team in defense in the league all year long. Lakers were number one. And I forgot who was number two. Mm-hmm. But the Knicks played hard defense. They go back, it's going back to like uh, the 90s when they played tough defense with Oakley Ewing and yeah. Anthony Mason. Fun to watch, and, isn't it? Well, what? Fun to watch, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's fun to watch. But the thing is, we are, they, they're doing it the right way. They're yeah. building from within. Sure, they could use a big star. But the thing is, they're doing it cohesively. You don't know if a big player's going to want to fit in with them. Right? And uh, I'll tell you this. The NBA championship is going to Atlantic Avenue. Those yeah. three guys, last yeah. Sunday, I saw something. Oh, my God. The guy, James, on the Nets put the ball off the backboard, and number seven came in. as two hands playing. <laughs> it, like, blew my mind. Yeah. Blew my mind. I saw that. I thought, what? I know. I mean, they Kevin are they, the Nets are fun to watch. Yeah, they are fun. And those three guys are quick and they can go for easy three of the three of them, one hundred twenty to one hundred fifty points. Mm-hmm. If they're all well, all three of them are clicking at the same time. Yeah, that they're just too good. Yeah, they just, those are, those are sound score teams. And getting to the Yankees, uh, uh, four straight four straight games where they started they didn't give up a run. That was the first time. Like Michael Chase said, uh, since 1932. What was that? One more time? The the, the four games where the starters did not give up a run. Oh, oh, oh yes. the first time that happened yeah. since 1932. Isn't that crazy? Daniel. That's crazy. That, that, that's insane. And, and you know what? And, and, so, and going into the season, everybody's like, oh, including me, oh, we don't know. It's a big <clears> question mark. The Yankees rotation is a big question mark. Well, guess what? Well, um, it's an exclamation point not, now. Uh, excellent. And Cole... He he was being squeezed yesterday by the umpire behind mm-hmm. the plate. He was being squeezed because he never walks three batters in the game. And guess what? Alone. Guess yeah. what? That particular umpire, he had not walked. A, he had two games with that umpire, and he had zero walks, and he had three in this game. How crazy is that? that, that, that how do you figure that one out? I don't know. I mean, uh, Derek Cole normally walks three batters in three months yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So something like that. He He is something to watch. That the best pitcher in baseball right now, number 48, yep. Jacob DeGrom. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, guy's amazing. Yeah, but then is. Chloe Kluber comes around and says, no, oh, I'm doing pretty well myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just have a no-hitter here with one, almost a yeah. perfect game. One batter within a perfect game, oh, of course. Oh, God. It's like, that was insane. Yeah. But you want to know something? It's like this. Let's hope they say they can get stand back and, uh, the rest of the guys can stay healthy and they can stop the hit. But you know what the problem is? The pitchers are way out in front of the hitters at this point in time. And that has not been for how many years? Now they're talking about moving the mound back. I know. Moving the rubber back. You know, Daniel, why don't they just leave the game alone? And let's, uh, let's play it the way it is. And why don't they stop with us? Run on second base, seven inning double hitters. They've corrupted the game. I don't know who said it, and I keep on saying it. Tell the batter, stay in the box. Don't leave the box unless you got something in your eye or your heart. Yeah. And let the pitcher pitch the ball within 15 seconds. And how fast would the game go then? Uh, my, uh, much faster. Do, mm-hmm. do we need to do all these adjustments? 
Right. You don't need to do all these adjustments. These adjustments are they're ruining the game. Yeah. They're ruining the game. I don't I don't mind. I remember they used to yell and scream, Mickey Mantle struck out 125 times in a year. And I remember Yogi Berra struck out only eight times in a year. So, and they screamed at Mantle for striking out 125. These guys do, some of them doing that half a season right now. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. You used to be embarrassed. Thanks to her for the call. You used to be embarrassed to strike out. I never wanted to strike out, ever. That's an embarrassing walk back to the dugout. These guys know. But by the way, uh, the, the Corey Kluber no-hitter, Obviously, was the first one since July 18th of 1999. 1999, July 18th, I was in fifth grade. So, obviously, David Cohns, I didn't really appreciate as as I should have, obviously. This is, like, the first one of my adult life, so that was pretty cool. And then I do remember, and I had a t-shirt, actually, of this one. May 17th, my birthday, 1998, David Wells pitched it on my birthday. So, it was a uh, it was a perfect game, actually. And so, was David Cohns was 2A, I believe, so... Um, yeah, so Corey Kluber, listen, I would like to see what he looks like in his second start, you know, in his first start removed from that no-hitter. We'll see what happens. But I think uh, you got some renewed confidence in Corey Kluber. And, and you know, I, I I hope you guys know, and I, I know that you listen, that I never wavered on Corey Kluber. I thought that he, the Yankees had the inside track for, to him from the get-go, from the jump. And uh, and I thought, and I told you, he was going to be fine. Especially, I, I didn't waver like, oh, this guy's fine. Corey Kluber, he stinks. I never said that. The guy hasn't pitched. He needs to find his way, and he found his way. He's not going to throw a no-hitter every time. That's an unrealistic expectation. But he's found he's found a groove. And I would like to see what he does the next time out. And by the way, he talked about it, Stuart. You know, the Nets, they don't really play defense. And uh, we've talked about it here on the show with some of my special guests from my, my Brooklyn Beat report. Uh, we had on uh, former net Richard Jefferson. We had Yes Network analyst Michael Grady from The Athletic, Alex Schiffer, Frank Isola. They all said the same thing. The Nets defense doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be good. Irving and my favorite net, Joe Harris, I mean, Besides Joe Harris, the, the the big three there, are they the most talented three teammates to ever start a playoff game? If they're not, it, it's close. The Jet and the Nets just need to make a handful of fourth quarter stops, not allow the opposing superstars to enjoy a career night, and, and it's it's it. Like Stewart said, the NBA championship is running through Atlantic Avenue. Simple enough. And I have a question. I wonder if they're going to have like a, a, a ticker tape parade. Do we get to go to that, Emmanuel? The ticker tape parade? I wonder. You think? We should. We should. We're the radio network of the of the Nets. That would be fun. I Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, it would. I don't know if anybody knows the answer to that. Where would that be? Flatbush? I don't know. Kenny and the Heroes, wouldn't it be? That would be ideal. Yeah, probably. If they have it. I mean, we're in COVID. We got to fight COVID now, too, and everything, so... Hey, if the Nets are having a parade, sign me up. I want to float. I'm going to be on the fan float if, in fact, they do have that. I don't know. This is our first go-around. Manuel and I, it's, right? This is our first go-around. We'll see what happens. Um, but let's go Nets. Seriously. Let's go Nets. Um, but if the Nets had played the Knicks, I don't know. I, you know what? It wouldn't even be a competition. The Nets would blow them out of the water if they played in the playoffs. That's just it. All right. So uh, we have a Mike McCann update coming your way. And, of course, more playoff it's a playoff time in New York City with the Islanders, the Knicks, the Nets, and, of course, if you guys want to break down some Mets and Yankees, you know I'm always down for that. So I'm Danielle McCartan with you on the fan until 6 a.m. in New York City. 
Welcome back to McCartan in the morning here in New York City. I, I don't know if the sun's coming up yet. They have a new a, uh, a new banner here in the studio, the Carton and Roberts studio. It's very very nice in here. I like the renovations here, and I have a new comfy chair, which I also love here in the Carton and Roberts studio. I, I guess we're no longer calling this the Mike Francesa studio. The, the plaque is off the wall. Um, I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> Well, guess what? I'm coming to you guys on, what's today's date? The 23rd of May. It is an Islanders playoff weekend. It is a Nets playoff weekend. The, the replay is on, playing on the TV in the studio right now. And it is a Knicks playoff weekend. So I put a poll up to you guys. Which you know which shirt should I wear? I don't have an Islanders shirt, but I do have a Knicks and a Nets shirt. And Knicks fans, you prevailed. I think people are just, oh, listen, people are excited about the Nets. They are. But the Nets are expected to win, right? They're so there's not a, a, a lot of excitement about it, you know what I'm saying? But whereas the Knicks are like, you know, they're 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 they made the playoffs, which is great, and now now they want more. Now they might win a series, and, and I think that is a little, just a little bit more intriguing from like a, a storyline standpoint. The Nets are the juggernaut. It was a a touch and go in in the beginning of that game, though. Um, because through the first half, I mean, listen, the first quarter, it certainly showcased their growing pains. The Celtics led at the first quarter, 21 to 16. At the half, you guessed it, same story. Nets, Celtics led the Nets 53 to 47. And up until that point, up until that half, the most the Nets ever led by was two points, which was the first two points when it was 2-0. Therefore, the only lead change up until that point was when it became 4-2. And the Celtics never looked back through that first that first half. The largest lead. They, the Boston opened up a, a lead of, of 12 points at one point. The Nets were not playing as a cohesive unit. There was no rhythm to the game. It was just they, they turned the ball over double the amount in that first half that the Celtics did, 8-4. Eight, you know, eight turnovers to four turnovers. And this is this is probably most astounding. The Nets shot the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, the Joe Harris, the, the Durant, Irving, the, whoever, right? All of them. They shot collectively seven point seven percent from three point range in the first half. I actually refreshed the page and just to make sure that that's what I was actually looking at because I was looking at the you know the NBA official stats alongside watching the game. And that first half, they shot yes three point. I mean, 7.7% from three-point range in the first half. I never thought I would have ever have said it, but the Brooklyn Nets offense was totally and completely stagnant. And I wrote a little note. I wrote, that's troublesome. So my next note to myself was, did the Nets come out in the second half with a sense of urgency? I'd say so. They put up 13 points to open up the third quarter. They took the lead 60 to 57 at the end of the third. Uh, I'm sorry, at the beginning of the third before a Celtics timeout. And that was it. They didn't look back. Ever since then, the Nets, they won. They won handedly, eventually. You know, they, they took a little bit to get going, but they ended up beating the Celtics 104 93 in case you missed it. Uh, the big three, you know, the Durant, uh, Irving, Harden. I can't do the math right in my head uh, uh, here. Uh, they combined for two, four. Oh, God. 29 and 21 makes, uh, oh, God, don't make me do this. 50, 
I don't even know. 32, 29, 21. You guys can add it up. But Durant finished with 32. Irving finished with 29. Harden finished with 21. That should be easy math, but I've been up for almost 24 hours here preparing for the show, and it's not easy math right right this second. But with that being said, game two is Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. My brother was at the game, actually, um, tonight, and uh, he sent us a picture. Pretty cool seats. Michael Strahan was there. They showed Justin Tuck on TV, which is pretty cool. But the biggest concern showcased itself right right in the first half there, the, the big three's lack of playing time together. They're obviously looking for some cohesion. And, and who else, who better to do it than with the, the I'm going to say, less talented Boston Celtics? This entire season, Durant, Harding, and Irving have only played eight games together for a total of 202 minutes this entire season. What does that work out to be? 5.8% of the season they played together. 58 COVID protocols, hamstrings, load managements, time away from the team to go to birthday parties. Yeah, I said it. So, you know, if you're worried about it, I'm going to point you to look at the 2019-2020 Lakers, Davis, James, Kuzma. They won the championship and yet only played 8.4% of their regular season games together. So um, is the Nets' big three as talented as that Lakers' big three? Well, I mean, LeBron James is in there. I'd look at, like, the third player, you know, whether you consider it to be Harden or Irving versus Kuzma. Either way, I'd say advantage Nets there. So um, the Nets shook off the cobwebs. We'll we'll put it that way. Shook off the cobwebs uh, coming out of the second half. They made some adjustments, and uh, good for them. And I think that they're going to start off on Tuesday, and they're just going to start firing on all cylinders on Tuesday, and that's it. Done. Uh, I do consider the Nets to, I will predict, I should say, the Nets to win this series, obviously. I think that's pretty obvious to everybody. I think the only people that are are thinking or believing that the Celtics could potentially win are some delusional Celtics fans, uh, the the players and anybody in and around their facility, maybe their moms and dads, wives, girlfriends, maybe maybe kids, their kids. But everybody else, you know, obviously thinks that the uh, the Nets are going to win that game. It's just a matter of how many games I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I'll tell you why. It's not that the, the Celtics are going to beat the Nets. I just think that the Nets are going to have to start to look to do a little bit of like load management, and it might bite them in like you know the last possession of the game, something like that. So, uh, excuse me. So I don't think that the, the Celtics are going to beat the Nets. I think the Nets are going to kind of just lose, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. As far as the Knicks. I think the Knicks are going to take this series in a, a grueling, evenly matched seven-game series. But the the song I played for you guys was "It's been a while," the Stain song, you know. So it's been a while since uh, Knicks fans can 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 really revel, rejoice in the fact that their team is a playoff team. It's been eight years, in fact, and and although that's not a long time in dog years, it's a long time in basketball years, and. Um, I just think they're so evenly matched. I, the quote from Derrick Rose that I loved, I might put this, I have a couple of quotes on my refrigerator. And um, I guess uh, one of them is, uh, and I, I don't really like the Kardashians, to be honest with you, but one of them is from Chris Kardashian. And, and on my fridge, it says, uh, if, if someone says no, you're asking the wrong person. And I have another one from uh, Hope Solo, which is in my Twitter bio. bio. My confidence comes from my work ethic. And then another one on my fridge, just three. Uh, it might be four now, but three was uh, uh, from Jorge Posada's book. I read his book, The Journey Home or something like that. And it said, uh, if you're uh, stubborn enough, uh, if you're 
smart enough and stubborn enough to level the playing field on your own. I don't know. I'll tweet it when I get home later. Something about leveling the playing field and being stubborn and not taking no for an answer. And then uh, here's another one I might add to the wall here. Derek Rose, onto my fridge, I should say. Derek Rose, he says uh, about the Knicks in this playoff series, I believe we have to have another level. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Well, if I ever heard something that describes my preparation for this show, right? So, uh, yeah, so Thibodeau, Coach Thibodeau, he, he put it together some textbooks for the class. And what's his name? Um, Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin were joking that they, they felt like they were back at school, college, which they are not far removed from. Nixon 7, I'm thinking, I, you know what? I think that Nate McMillan, right, he, he felt the need to preemptively give his team, give the media, give the basketball world a built-in excuse in case his team loses to the Knicks. And that message being, and I quote, the league wants this. The league needs this. New York is a big market, and I think the NBA is excited about them being back in the playoffs. Well, sir, enjoy that $25,000 fine for your detrimental public comments asserting bias. And beware. The psychological concept of the self-fulfilling prophecy is real. And unfortunately for you, and so is your playoff record. The last team you were the head coach of, the Indiana Pacers in the playoffs, 3-16. and 16. You couldn't even get them to the second round. So it's not going to happen this year either. Case closed. But... um. My strategy always is when you're coaching a team in the playoffs, you kind of always stick to what you've been doing to, to get you there. I think of, as I said, I thought of the, the Eagles and how they had the, the Philly special to uh, beat the Patriots, but that was a gadget play. So uh, up until that point, though, they were playing true to who they were. Just with the Knicks, I'm just going to contradict myself immediately now and say with the Knicks, like, listen, Alfred Payton, I know he's shouldered much of the load as the point guard of this team for most of the season, but I'm giving Frank Nielakina. I know, I, I know, right? I cringe right saying it, but I'm giving Frank Nielakina the start at point guard for game one, at least. He's he's had a success guarding Trey Young. That's first of all, but honestly, it really isn't about what he can and can't do. It's more about what Alfred Payton can and can't do. This is not a short-sighted decision. We'll, we'll look at this incrementally moving backwards. So over the last four games, Alfred Payton has not scored more than two points. Mix in some bad body language. It's just not good, right? Over the last seven games, he averages 2.7 points per game and shoots 24.2% from the field. I mean, that's, I, I joked before, but my, my 2K player, my NBA 2K player, PS4, my, he, he started as a Nick point guard. On the first day I created him, he shot 24.2% from the field. So that's not a good look. And let's extrapolate this out over the past or 15 games. This is startling. The Knicks have been outscored by 52 points in the minutes that Alfred Payton played in those games. Outscored by 52 points. Which means when his fanny was parked on the bench, they had a plus 133 point differential in the, all the other 500 minutes. So... The playoffs are just a different animal. The margin for error, especially in this series with these two teams, is razor thin. Well, I think Thibodeau will follow my advice. Actually, I don't think so based on what he said. But, you know, there's that. We also talked tonight about my concern about the minutes logged for Julius Randle. He, he, you know, minutes logged in terms of not only is Julius Randle, does he play the most minutes per game, 
he has the most minutes logged in the entire season among all players. And it like it's not close. It's like three and a quarter games more than the, the player behind him that has logged the most minutes per game. And guess who that is? R.J. Barrett. So that's concerning if you're a Knicks fan. Trey Young at the foul line. They have to keep him off the foul line. He he knows how to get there. He's a pretty good foul shooter, 88%. I mean, I'd say that's pretty almost automatic, right? He has drawn the second most shooting fouls on three-pointers this entire season. And that could be disastrous, of course, on the scoring per, per, uh, perspective there, but that could mean that, that the Knicks, or that would mean that the Knicks are in foul trouble, which, of course, when you play in foul trouble, you're a little bit more conservative, more cautious, less aggressive, and that would be sort of like a nightmarish situation. Because the Knicks commit the sixth most fouls per game of all the teams. So, okay, you're going to limit Trey Young scoring? Good, right? Not really, because he lead, he's second in the league in assists per game. And that pick and roll with Clint Cabela, that's going to be a, a huge thing to keep an eye on. Which plays into the next thing I'm going to keep an eye on is the battle at the three-point line between the two teams. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at it, the Knicks have the stingiest three-point defense in the NBA. And the Hawks have the third stingiest three-point defense in the NBA. That's uh, that's a key to victory for me. That's something to watch. And what about three-point makes? I had to look this. I had to make sure this was true. The Knicks are tied. When I looked this up, I was like, what? The Knicks are tied with the Nets for the second best uh, percentage at making three points in the league, 39.2%. Knicks and Nets are tied, second best in the league, making three-pointers, percentage-wise. And the Hawks are tied with, guess who? The Celtics, isn't that weird? For the 13th best in the league. And the last time they met, advantage Knicks. So I'm going Knicks in this series. I'll be honest with you, I'm going Knicks. I'm going Knicks in seven, Nets in six. And we didn't even get to talk about yet the, the Yankees and their absolute you know, coming-out party for Glaber Torres over the past couple games. I mean, over the past couple games, he's been batting uh, 344 <laughs> with four doubles, 14 RBIs, and an on-base percentage, almost 1,000 over the past 16 games. And you know what? His confidence has grown. He's become a better fielder, that is. Listen, I, I never killed Glaber Torres. I just said he was not a natural shortstop, and, and that's not killing him, right? But he's worked hard at it. I told you that. He's a hard worker. The guy learned English when he first came here, learned English, the whole thing, right? So, um... He's clearly been internalizing what they've been coaching him up to do. So he looks a lot more fluid. He's in not in a, not in a rush. He's in a hurry, but not in a rush to make some plays at first base. You know, from shortstop routine plays that he was tapping his glove. He's no longer doing that. He's no longer taking ten steps to throw the ball. He's just a lot looks a lot more fluid at shortstop. And and as a result, you know, he's an average shortstop. And that's all the Yankees need is just an average shortstop. And man, one more thing, the Mets. I didn't know if I was looking at the uh, the batting order, the roster, or or the IL with all those guys that are on the uh, on the injured list since the last time we talked on May 9th. I mean, Conforto, McNeil, all the starters. Oh my God! It's like there's a Triple A team playing out there for the Mets. They just need to tread water over the next 11 games, which they've got the Marlins, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, which are no sweat, right, and the Braves, which is a little concerning. But on the bright side, it's an opportune time for any IL stint, right? On the bright side. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to get to your calls right after the break here, you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan in New York City. 
We are your home for Yankees talk, tickets, and every game. And beginning tomorrow, it's a week-long Yankees box office blitz. That means we're giving away Yankees Blue Jays and Yankees race tickets hourly from 6 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. this entire week. So make sure you're locked in for your chance to win exclusively on The Fan and streaming on WFAN.com. So this song is if you if, let's put it this way if you're going to the garden to watch the Knicks you might hear this this song this is a a exclusive here on McCartan in the morning it's a, it's original the original track was by Papa Left remixed by DJ Monopoly and DJ Monopoly is a uh, Pretty cool, right? So DJ Monopoly, he is the DJ inside Madison Square Garden, who I know from college. And I know I don't know if it was the first. I mean, I saw him. I saw him. He used to DJ the frat parties. And, you know, that he used to DJ the frat parties in college. I remember when he started DJing. Everybody was like, oh, DJ Monopoly. And then he ended up DJing at Karma down the shore. And for my birthday weekend, he just happened to be there. I didn't even know. And now he's at the garden. How cool is that? And now... If you go to the game, that is that's called the Knicks Set Anthem. Look it up, the DJ Monopoly remix. He sent that to me to play on the show tonight, so pretty cool, right? Um, so if you're going to the game, take a listen for it. Listening on TV, take a listen for it. And uh, that's pretty cool. We revealed the uh, exclusive track there, so let me know what you think about it. Um, heck, let me see if I can uh, ret- – I'll ask him to uh, put it online. I can just retweet it, and you guys can listen to it that way too. Um, so, yeah, so – DJ Monopoly came a long way, right? I put up a poll. And uh, my question was, what would be the more shocking outcome? If the Knicks win round one or if the Nets lose round one? And I got to talk to you. So 19% of you guys said the Knicks win round one would be more shocking. I got to talk with you 19%ers. Like, what? I thought this was an easy poll. The Knicks winning round one would be completely less shocking than the Nets losing round one. The Knicks are playing with house money at this point, and they're matched against a Hawks team that is quite equal in talent level. The Nets are the juggernaut of the entire league. Well, maybe except for, like, the Lakers, but I don't even know at that point. But the Nets losing to a far inferior Celtics team would absolutely be more of a shocking outcome. What's wrong with you 19 percenters? Come on, you guys. Get with the program here. As I sit here in the Knicks shirt that you guys wanted me to wear tonight, all right, we'll go back to your calls. 877-337-6666 in the order that you guys called. Gary in Jersey City, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, what's up, Daniel? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. Before I get to those numbers for Randall and Barrett are so disheartening. The, 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 I mean, when they get to the second round, those guys are going to be shot. That's what I'm saying. Like exhausted. Really, exactly. That's it. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh-huh. And one thing I remember when he was doing the round of interviews, one red flag about Thibodeau is that he run his plays into the ground. Yeah. So this might come back, come back and bite them in the butt. You're seeing it. Well, Randall's 26, uh, you know, but Barrett's 20. I mean, he could probably handle it more so, but yeah, I know. Yeah. Exactly. So, because any break we need, we, we need any break we can get, because this is more of a toss-up than people think. Yeah. But I'm in, Nick, I'm in Knicks land. Everybody Knicks, 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 Knicks. This, this truly is a toss-up. Well, people look at it and say, oh, the Knicks beat them, you know, three games to zero during the regular season. But that, that <laughs> has nothing to do with what this is. Those are not even Absolutely the two same not. teams. Exactly. Okay, I got two questions. This is completely just a question, more or less the same question. Who do you want to beat who in the NBA Finals? 
who do you think will happen in the NBA Finals? Like one from your heart and one from your head. Mm, and okay. why? All right. So the heart, <laughs> the heart is I want the Nets to beat the Lakers. Kind of just to show. Ah, I like that. I like that. Kind of just to show, like LeBron, like no nah, man, you had the chance and you didn't. You know what I mean? Um, take that. And and the head is also and also too for the reason that I put a ten a ten dollar bet on the Brooklyn Nets on November fifth to win the championship at plus a thousand odds. So that would be nice for me. <laughs> wow, beating who? Ah, uh, no, it's just. Oh, he's got to win. He's got to win. Gotta yeah, win. just to win. Yeah, and then so my head like though, that. my head would say. Oh, my head would say that LeBron James is going to win another one. Really? That's what I think. I know. I know. You know what I'm going to say? This. If LeBron James and the Lakers win the NBA Finals, that's going to prove that the regular machine, regular season means nothing. Mm-hmm. They came in as a seventh seed and just walked through. I mean, it's going to just confirm. Yeah. I mean, yes. And I think that's a big problem within basketball, yeah. for sure. And if it happens, if people are going to take that tack and go on forward. Listen, we just get, you know, come in as an eight seat, take our time. That's the <laughs> blueprint, right? Play on the that's Not it. Good. I don't know. Well, when you that's look at the, even the Nets, too, the, the big three, they've only played together 5.8% of the season so far. I mean, isn't it the same blueprint? Yeah, exactly. More or less. Right? All right. Okay, go Nets. <laughs> oh, I thought you said you had a second question, Gary. <laughs> No, that's it. Just, just, oh, that was it. Oh, oh, got it. All right, good. All right, well, go next, right. Gary. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, let's go to Kevin in Camden. You're up next on the fan, Kevin. What's up, Coach? How are you? Hey, this is Kevin in the 5 o'clock hour. You're usually my leadoff caller, Kevin. Yeah, like I said, I had to get some sleep. That's but, okay. But um, I'm excited about the Knicks. You know, I, I agree with you that I think it's going to be a seven-game series. just think that the teams are equally matched. Mm-hmm. And I am... This is the first time in eight years, all right? The last time they made it, I was a sophomore in high school. Mm. Like, that's how long it's been. I was teaching sophomores in high school that year. <laughs> wow, that's really <laughs> I mean, dang, it's just amazing. But um, Julius Randle, I mean, the guy has had a great season. The guy has embraced the city. Yeah. We love him. Bring him back. I mean, I know, you know, you know I'm focusing on the now first, but obviously – want the guy to be a Nick for life, and he wants to be here too. Mm-hmm. So, Knicks, get it done, re-sign the guy, and just bring him back. But as far as my predictions, I think they're gonna. I think Knicks are going to win the first two at home, they steal one in Atlanta, and then they close it out at home. Mm. So that's my prediction. Yeah, that would be cool. They close it out at seven, home. Six or seven games. Now, i gotta, I, I got to give um, some props. Mike Breen, congrats on the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well-deserved. You know, growing up with him, I mean, I, I could tell you a few things that I remember from him. The Kobe Bryant game he called, brilliant. And my favorite game that he ever called was the Carmelo 62 points. Mm-hmm. Like, Mike, Mike brings an icon. So yeah, congratulations sure. to him and to Marv Albert because he's retiring too. And, you know, we have so many great broadcasters in New York. You know, the Mets with Gary Keaton and Ryan. We got the Knicks with Breen. And, I, and then we got Iron Eagle with the Nets. So, like... You know, it's just a great New York's just a, the best, I'm just telling you. <laughs> and as far as the as far as the Nets, the big three, they combined for eighty two points. Oh, is that what it was? I couldn't add it before. I'm very tired. <laughs> I I did a cal- I went on the calculator and added it up. <laughs> Good. So. How many? How many? Eighty two. Eighty two. Okay. Eighty two points. Twenty nine plus twenty one. Mm-hmm. So eighty two points. Now I do think they're gonna win the title. I think it's gonna be Nets. And seven against the Lakers. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Nets and seven versus the Lakers, I think, would be I, intriguing. West Coast, I, East Coast, you know, the whole thing. 
Yeah, so, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, but, you know, if it gets, it gets LeBron, I'm going with the Nets to win because I can't stand that guy, so. <laughs> well, like, he got, like, LeBron got suspended, and he, like, he should be suspended because he violated protocol. Oh, I was like, going to talk about that coming up next. You, you, you got me on that one. Yeah, he, uh, he violated COVID protocol, and yet he still gets to play. Yeah. Because he's he's untouchable. He's LeBron. He's the, he's the golden goose. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he's going to do once he retires. Mm-hmm. Like, what you going to do? Where's your revenue going to come? Because give me a break. I don't don't get me started with that. Oh, uh, me neither. But we will but, ta- we will talk about it after this ne- this next uh, little break here, Kevin. But yeah, I'm with you. All right, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always do. Yeah, of course, Kevin. Thanks for calling in. Welcome. Yeah, he he kind of tipped my hand on that. But let's quickly go to Marty in Westchester. You're up on the fan. Yes, uh, good morning, Danielle. Yeah, I'd like to talk uh, about the Yankees this morning. Yeah. I know it's not, not a popular topic no, with the it. players. I'm ready. I'm but, ready. Uh, yeah, I mean, the um, starting rotation's really been lights out with the exception of Tyone. I mean, that was a big question mark coming into the season, Cole and uh, the pitchers behind him. But uh, Susan Waldman actually made a point uh, during one of the early telecasts in April uh, when he was struggling, and she said that even during his Cy Young years, he did have a reputation of starting out slowly. So he, he definitely looks like the old Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. Uh, my concern at this point, obviously, uh, Aaron Hicks out for a long time with the surgery. Uh, do the Yankees uh, try to get by internally uh, for the time being, or do you think they might be shopping around for another center fielder? Yeah, um, and that's a good question there, Marty, and thanks for the call. Um, first, on the pitching, I mean, you look at the last four games, Kluber, nine innings pitched, no hits. Herman, seven innings pitched, six hits, which is kind of like a lot. But Montgomery, seven. What I'm looking at is nine innings pitched, seven innings pitched, seven for Montgomery, seven for Cole. That's the winning formula. That's it. Aaron Boone has finally figured it out. Finally. Um, but as far as going outside or internally, um, don't know if Estevan Floreal is ready. I'm not no I don't know if they're ready to bring him up. I just don't like the uh the Andujar experiment out there in left field with Brett Gardner in center. I mean, when you look at, you know, arm strength. I mean, I, the Yes Network put this up once. I, I took a picture of my TV really quick and I haven't seen it since when they do the outfield arm report. They no longer, if you notice, do it for the Yankees. They'd always do it for the other team because they keep having to show Brett Gardner who scores a D on arm strength, he ranks 99th out of 110, 99th out of 110 potential outfielders, qualifying outfielders in the league with arm strength. He throws the ball 78.3 miles an hour. I think I can throw the ball faster, and I'm not kidding you. So I, I him keep chopping him out in, in center field. It's like, okay, maybe he can make a good defensive play with the glove, but like when it comes to throwing a runner out at, at any base – it's just it's just not there. You can fight me all you want. He's ranked on the Yes Network broadcast 99th out of 110th 10 uh, potential outfielders. So um it's it's not sustainable. I didn't like it. I told you what I didn't like when they traded Talkman when they did. I didn't like it. I thought the guy's a great player, hustle player, the whole thing. I guess maybe for now they're just going to kind of stick with it. They're just going to see if Clint Frazier ends up, uh, you know, finding his bat. But for right now, I think they're just going to stick with, you know, what they're doing. I would like to see them go outside the organization, but I don't know if they're there yet. And if, in fact, that is the path that they go, um, 
I, I don't have any names for you at this moment in time. Let's just wait and see. Because uh, I still have faith in, in Frazier. I really do. It's really hard to be a consistent hitter when you're not in the lineup consistently. And, it, you know, is it a neck? Was it a neck today or was it just that he was sitting? It's just it doesn't seem like they, they like him. They value him in the organization. And if that's the case, then you know what? Trade him. He could be a starting set, uh, left fielder, center fielder, you know, anywhere. If you're not going to use him, trade him. And one quick note on the Knicks' uh, salary cap. You know, for, for, for this year, the Knicks are in the best salary cap position in the league, which I obviously was going to be by design. And for uh, 21-22, oh, that was 21-22. And that's for next year. And then, yeah, they're still the same this year too. So the Knicks are in a very good cap situation. They have the potential to bring in and re- bring in and resign Julius Randle. Bring in, I should say, bring in another free agent and re-sign Julius Randle at the same time, congruently at the same time. Imagine that. And as Kevin just previewed here, there is a total double standard in the NBA. And if you already didn't know it, you do now. And this time, the example is with King James. Do as I say, not as I do. Let's break it down after the break. We're rolling until 6 a.m. here on McCartan in the morning on, on The Fan in New York City. Welcome back to McCartney After Midnight here on this playoff weekend. Islanders, Nets, and Knicks all in the playoffs. This is an exciting time in New York sports. I teased it right before the break. This is the last chance, by the way, to get aboard. 877-337-6666. King James has exposed a major double standard in the NBA. Imagine this, everybody. Imagine you're a member of the Lakers. Your team is not yet at the 85% vaccination threshold, so you don't have much leeway on these COVID protocols. You still have to wear a mask at practice. You still can't eat in an indoor restaurant. You can't even eat at an outdoor restaurant, and you can't even eat on the team plane. Yet, King James reps a tequila brand, and he was one of the several high-profile guests at a promo event for it. There's a there's a photo of it okay no masks no nothing this is a uh, according to a uh, a little press release here the tequila was poured at a brief outdoor photo shoot and an invitees including drake had to produce proof of vaccine or a recent negative test in order to attend everyone by the way before you get all up in arms that is still a violation of the nba's covid protocols for teams that are not at the 85 percent threshold A spokesperson from the league said it's a violation of the agreed-upon protocols and, as we have in other comparable instances around the league, it has been discussed with the team. Lakers at Suns Sunday. I mean, ultimately, the league fined Kyrie Irving $50,000 for violating the same protocols and assigned him to a five-day quarantine. He forfeited more than $400,000 in salary per game for those missed during the quarantine rate of 181.6th of his season salary. There are two of the 17 Lakers that are not vaccinated. Dennis Schroeder said that he is not. Everyone thinks that LeBron is not either. This is not a witch hunt. He has declined whether or not to say whether or not he, who cares? It's not a witch hunt. The point is this. If the rest of the team has to partake in this shared sacrifice, in this playoffs, very serious playoffs crunch time, then King James should have to too. You know, it's just not right. And he gets away with not having to quarantine and be fined or whatever. Yet he was at out at a, a tequila, a brief tequila photo shoot outdoors. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Do as I say, not as I do. LeBron James, 
Hypocrite. Hypocrite. I'd be I'd be pretty annoyed if I were uh, one of his uh, one of his teammates. You can't eat in an outdoor restaurant. You can't eat at an indoor restaurant. You have to wear a mask at practice. How horrible! And you can't even eat on the team plane. Oh man! And he gets to do whatever he wants. Come on, Ali in Riverside, New York. You're up on the fan. Oh, turn me down on the radio. There, we got some feedback. I know. I know. I'm sorry. All right, we're good. We're good. Good morning. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, interesting point you bring up about LeBron James. Um, you know, he can do whatever he wants. But you know what I want to talk about? You spoke to an earlier caller about the regular season, how, you know, if the Lakers win, it just shows how meaningless the regular season is. So hear me out. And you're going to think I'm crazy. I know, but <laughs> I put a lot of thought into this. Okay. I respect I that. Feel, I feel what the NBA should do, okay, because look at the NBA itself. It's a league, the only league out of the four major sports that dynasties are, you know, it's like there's always a dynasty. There's always teams winning three championships in four years, three peats, right? Look, just look at the history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we try to change that, right? I think the NBA should just be one big league, mm-hmm. okay? One big league, no east, no west. Uh, the top 18 teams make it. You do your little playing game, you know, from 15 to 18 to get reseeded. Mm-hmm. And you have the best team play the worst team, right? In that matter. Now, what you do, and again, I, I, this is, I know, for a financial aspect, they're going to say no because they want to make all teams to make money. But as a reward of being the top eight teams in the first round and going on for, you know, being the higher seat, you get five home games rather than four home games in a best of seven. I think what it does, it gives you more incentive to play for that top eight spot, right? To be a higher seed. Right. Okay. And, and it gives the, them a, a, a more benefit. Now, look, if you look at the, the Lakers right now, you know, they would be playing, you know, the top teams and they'd, ha- they'd have a disadvantage going through this whole playoffs by playing, uh, you know, less home games. And, you know, not to say that they still won't win, because I, I really believe the Lakers are a healthy Lakers team. They're going to be very hard to stop. Right. But it just it gives them more. It gives a more uh, incentive. It makes right? more the regular season more meaningful. I believe. Yeah. yeah I, you know that's not crazy. That's not a crazy proposal. It's it, it's it, it's doable. It's implementable. Sure. You know. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, Ali. Yeah. Also, the Yankees are the best uh, American League pitching team uh, in baseball. So I just <laughs> want to throw it out there. Yes. <laughs> Danielle, you have a great day. Yeah, right? too, I love Ali. listening to you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that, that's hard to disagree with at this point, at this juncture in the season for sure. All right, I want to make sure we all get in here. Let's go, Joe, in Staten Island. Joe, you're up on the fan. Hey, good morning, Coach. Uh, hope all is well. Thanks, you too. Uh, I was thinking about a couple things when you were talking about things that you have on your refrigerator, <laughs> and I was yeah. uh, I always go with pain is just fear of leaving the body, and yeah. my personal favorite one is just because the lion isn't roaring doesn't mean he's asleep. What Ooh. do you think about that? Who said that one? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. There's probably some athlete. Just because the lion isn't roaring, it doesn't mean he's asleep. Yeah, I like that. That 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 sounds like a Jared Jeter Ian quote, right? Lead yeah, by, it does. Lead by it example. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like him. It's it, it's a uh, it's good to throw out to the teams too. You know, like coaches should show them out to the teams. Yep. You know, I like it, Joe. Put that in there. You're on to it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, I appreciate it. Let's go, John and Freehold. You're up on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. How are you? 
Danielle, you know what? As proud as I've been of this Knicks team, and I'm so happy I am to watch them, and I hope they do well in the playoffs, I'm really looking forward to this offseason. You mentioned the salary cap situation with the Knicks. Yeah, they're good. They're in a good spot. Absolutely in a great spot. And uh, they've become a destination now. Everybody's buzzing and talking about them in a positive light at this point. Mm -hmm. And the number one target for me, Danielle, I don't know how you feel, but number one target for me would be Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard spends a lot of his offseason in New York. He Mm -hmm. seems to really like it in the New York area. Mm -hmm. And with the Knicks turning the corner now, I could – you know, see the Knicks putting a hard push because you bring him in, a guy that's proven to be a clutch player yeah. and a championship pedigree, and you're not surrendering any players from your current roster. You're not surrendering any future assets in the way of draft picks. That's the no-brain number one option for the Knicks because Damian Lillard's going to cost you a fortune. You're going to have to gut your team, and then what are you going to have left after that right. when the smoke clears? So that doesn't make sense to me. Best one-two punch for me is you, you sign Kawhi Leonard, and of course he's got to you know, opt out. He does have the opt out clause. Yeah, I was just about but to say that. The as a Knicks fan, yeah. as the Clippers go down in a, in, a, in a cloud of dust against the <laughs> Mavericks here, yeah. right out, right out of the gate, and uh, he becomes disenchanted and wants to come here. And then you go in the draft and you get yourself that franchise point guard. Yeah, uh, it's it's not uh, John. It's not a bad plan. I, and I'm looking at the contract for Kawhi Leonard. He does have, like you said, the player option uh, for next season, and then he's a. But the thing is, he's then they have to redo a contract right away because then he's an undrafted free agent, obviously. So um, th- he's used to making. I'll average it quickly in my head. He's he's used to making about thirty four million dollars a year. Can the Knicks do it? Probably. And he's a defensive player. You know, he's he's got a good attitude. He doesn't say much, which is good. Uh, I think he'd be a perfect fit. I, he would be a perfect fit. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard. Listen, I didn't really look too far ahead into this. I'm trying to enjoy it while it's here, but Kawhi Leonard would be a, a really good fit for this Knicks team, for sure. All right, let's go Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. You're up. You are the Mariano Rivera again this week, Sparky. What's up? Man, that's amazing. First of all, welcome back. Thank you. Now, when you were talking about your poll before the Knicks and the Nets, mm-hmm. to me the Nets situation is totally unique just because of the manner how they put their team together, bringing in big stars, mm-hmm. where in my mind, if they don't win at all, their season's a failure. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Okay? Yep. And now as far as Gleyber Torres, he obviously, his age is one thing, because he carries his bat out in the field with him if he's not hitting. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's helping his fielding more than any is the fact he doesn't have to worry about making a bad throw because he finally has a real first baseman to throw to. Mm, yeah, well, that too. I'm sure I mean, that factors th- into it, yeah. I mean, think about early season. You had Jay Bruce playing first base. Right. It was like the people behind the dugout had to watch out. <laughs> the people in the seats, watch out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And now as far as the outfield situation with Fraser. Just, they should just allow him to hit. He'll be all right if they play him. And I agree. I think one thing you're going to see, remember years ago how the, when the Yankees got David Justice? Yep. Okay. There was no rumors of any kind that they were getting David Justice. And then all, all of a sudden, sudden, you heard on a fan update, the Yankees just got David Justice. Well, and, Sparky, and sorry, I, all of a sudden the music started on me too. So you know what? They could. They could go out there and do that. You guys, thanks to all the callers. Rewind that show on the Odyssey app till 3 a.m. Could not have done this without all of the callers. I love coming here talking with you all. It's been a long two weeks. Great job, Emmanuel. Happy graduation. Also, Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter's up next. You guys, in the meantime, can hit my Twitter at CoachMCCARTAN. 
Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan for those of you guys that not are on there. Let's keep the conversation going. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the playoffs, everybody. Radio, 